Um, this is the first episode of my new <coughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, see, first episode, she's already she's ruined it already. Like she's the blueprint, and she's already <laughs> just butting in in the middle. I'm kidding. Um, so uh, this podcast is basically just going to be me rambling and speaking with other creative people. I feel like we've got a lot of parallels in general, uh, creative people, uh, even if we work in completely different, uh, you know, modes of creativity. Um, so I really want to have conversations with people like that, and that's what I'm doing with this podcast. So DAM, that uh, stands for Design, Art, and Music. Um, so I'm just going to get a bunch of creatives on. And the first guest is Knife, who, if you would like to introduce yourself, is a wonderful artist and all sorts of different creative things. So if you'd like to go ahead. Yeah. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Knife. Um, I'm a rapper. I'm also just like a writer in general. I write lots of other mediums as well. Um, and I also produce beats and stuff. Um, I'm just a creative person in general, so I'm really into a lot of different art forms. But the thing that I do the most is music. That's pretty much it. I don't know. <laughs> well, um, like I said before, so we're only going to do short intros for this anyway. If you look underneath on uh, of this right now, it says that all the relevant information and links can be found at Connor.work. So if you just go to that website, after the podcast, there'll be way more information on there. But right now, there is a little bit of cursory information about who Knife is, who Close Good is, which we'll go through as well at, at certain points, I'm sure, um, which is um, their band. So um, yeah, so we'll just get into a, a good conversation about that. But before we do that, I'm going to show you one track, uh, one video. I'm going to put that full screen and uh, we're going to mute up ourselves and we're just gonna i mean i suppose we can speak or whatever but um i'm gonna i'm gonna just show you something but I probably shouldn't speak to be honest with you if we're with each other so two seconds i'm just gonna bring up biter and we shall play that and then we'll get going
There we go. There is a song, the song Biter. Um, again, you can find this on the website. So if you go to my website, there's a little thing at the top that says, says podcast. If you click on that and click on episode one, you can find the page that has that uh, video on it and a bunch of other links in general. So yeah, hop on there. So, right. Um, what do you want to hop into first? Because we had a short conversation yesterday um, about a little mm -hmm. few things that we were going to talk about. Um, what do you want to do? Um, yeah, let's talk about music. I just, so, yeah. All right. It's... So prior to this, before you were about to spoil the podcast in another way by just talking about the <laughs> topics beforehand instead, um, you just asked me what yeah. music I was listening to. Uh, what music are you listening yes. to right now? Firstly. Ooh. Okay. Let me open up my Spotify right now. Okay. Um, I've making playlists rather than just like listening to artists or albums for some reason. So I've been listening to a lot of Injury Reserve. I've been listening to a lot of Charlie XEX, which is kind of like always the case. Okay. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Meat Computer. and Meat Computer. I like that. Yes. <laughs> and I've been listening to a lot of Bickle. Those are like my top four right now. You're going to have to send me some of this because I don't even know yes, most of those. Yes, I'll make a playlist. Um, I'll be making playlists too, like... Um, I've been naming them the damn playlist, just I don't know why. I'm not even really sending them to anyone, but I suppose I'll just put them on <laughs> somewhere at some point and it'll just have this attached to it. But um, I've been listening to a lot of, I think I told you this as well, uh, The Alchemist. So like his new little release he's got with Earl and a few other people yeah. on board. Um, I've, I've been listening to that a lot. Like pretty much every track on there is awesome. Also, I love how he also releases the instrumentals to it all. He always does. Mm -hmm. And that's like a oh, rapper stream it. for love real. it love it obviously i'm not a rapper but you know <laughs> if i get high enough maybe you know it's one of them yeah it's just like if i get in the right mode i'll sit there and do it to myself but god damn i'm never doing that in front of anyone <laughs> never. but hey you, you know. should and... you should have just like alchemist like freestyle sessions where but you just all maybe. get high and you all just freestyle because then there's like that pressure to be good you know you don't have to record it or anything but i suppose yeah it, it would but... depend on who you're around yeah that's true so yeah yeah, I feel like if I was around like Eddie, for example, I don't know if you've seen Eddie I mm. battling or whatever, but his music is dope. Yeah. Um, but um, when I'm around him, I suppose the closest that we get to that is we do slant rhyming things. So people will just say some stupid, just ridiculous, stupid rhyme. And then or like hear <laughs> someone say something in general and then rhyme some dumb stuff with that. That's fun. I love doing that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, let's see. So what else have we been listening to? Um, Lush One. I've been listening to a lot of Lush One. Lush One is still okay. really good. He keeps releasing a lot of stuff recently that I really like. He's very unique to himself, is is what I like about Lush. Obviously, I know him through battle rap stuff, uh, as you as you know. Um, but he's he's very like um, he doesn't really sound like anyone else. And I, I I always say that sentence. If if people speak to me about music in general, I'm always saying the sentence. Oh, these don't sound like anyone else. They sound like themselves. Yeah. And it's just so important to me. Same with battle rapper, actually. I like if you don't sound like you, I'm not that interested, really you know yeah um so yeah that's like who i've been listening to for the most part for the past like week or so those those two people ransom a lot as well mm. um yeah i've been really obsessed with the earl and navy blue song like that really? like i'm obsessed with earl Sweater in general yeah. like he's definitely one of my favorite rappers of all time so it's just like crazy that to me that collab was like it came at the perfect time exactly it's, like such a good vibe completely agree completely agree every single track did you like um um some rap songs 
Yes. Oh my so god. I. I have the Summer Rap Songs hoodie. I wear it so I like. People hate it. <laughs> yeah. On that. I just. A lot. I don't know why. I mean, people hate it on. I don't like shit. I. I don't go outside, you know. I love that well, too. But like, yeah, that's a great project. I think people just like want Earl to still be making like 2011 Earl yeah, music, like spitting his and it's just like in a video really unrealistic, all that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Exactly. Which is like, I get it. I understand like, like the feeling. They don't care about music, his and I love. Yeah, like I love those projects just as much as the more recent ones. But I don't know. Yeah. I just think his production style on some rap songs and Feet of Clay. I think Feet of Clay is a great follow-up and i wasn't expecting it so soon after some rap songs but they're both amazing i enjoyed it too i enjoyed pretty i think i've enjoyed pretty much every album he's put out like the thing is it's like i suppose it's depend it depends on what you're looking for right same thing with battle rap actually like if you're going into battle rap expecting gun lines and punch lines every every single bar or like couple of bars or whatever and that's what you want then someone talking some real shit to you about their life and the shit they went through and stuff if it doesn't have those punchlines in there and you're not like getting wowed by it, then it might not, you might think that they lost, but to exactly. another person, they'll be like, ah, well, no, I don't know though, because it was very creative in a different way. You know, I suppose it's like the authenticity yeah. side is, is a big, is a big thing. Like Earl, obviously I feel like has just, is someone that just creates art and art kind of comes yeah. out the way you are at that moment. Right. Like, at least if it's, if it's honest. So obviously it's going to change unless yeah, he's going to be the same person, which I don't, you know, of course not. He's also just like a crazy talented writer too. And I'm like, I get really nerdy about words. And I think like the way that he constructs his bars is actually insane to me. Like, <laughs> I don't know. There, He's a very like image heavy writer, but the choices that he makes to me are just like so conservative in a way that like feels like only rappers do, you know, like, like word he- economy. Absolutely. The word economy that Earl has is absolutely insane. For sure, for sure. And he always picks, he, he doesn't pick the thing you expect necessarily, but if he does, he does it in a way that like slightly throws you off. So like a lot of the time- Yeah, and it really paints a picture. It's like super visual too. Absolutely. With such little. Yeah, and he's always been like that. That's the thing. Even like, even when he did the old stuff, like where it was very like abrasive and whatever, he was quite young at that point. Mm-hmm. So obviously it wasn't quite as mature as it is as it is now or even close really, but you could yeah. still- obviously he he had the art in him that he was like you know really creating and also a a good example of someone like that is tyler too like he's changed a a lot a lot exactly um and i prefer well i wouldn't say necessarily well i suppose i do prefer him now to be fair but it's not that Mm -hmm. i'm saying that the old stuff was bad because back then Mm -hmm. the odd future stuff was a big deal for why i started liking rap more than other genres like it was one of the biggest things for me because i i really like art and brands and creativity and stuff and i feel like they did that pretty pretty well um oh yeah oh like, my god yeah they talk about like a marketing and like management they and really nailed actual it. creative yeah. company all in one right <laughs> like, absolutely yeah. yeah and it's like a it's the skate culture stuff too like it's kind of along those same um same veins like a, yeah. like ben- Tyler really inspires me in that way for absolutely. sure i think just thinking about golf like as a person who really likes fashion as well like the success of his line as a as a line and to be such a deviation from where he kind of originally started while still feeling like it's part of the brand it like doesn't really make you feel like it's it's anything different than what odd future would have been doing otherwise but it's just like exactly yeah it's they have a talent for being able to kind of maintain that type of like those artistic endeavors that feel like really really cohesive with their brand despite being so different he's really good at understanding how brand continuity works and he just does it really really well and he always has really um ever since he blew up and what um what's your favorite album by tyler 
Ooh, that is a really hard question. I think based off of just how much I listen, maybe Wolf. Really? Still? Yeah. Based off how much I listen, yeah. The but like Igor's getting there. Oh, like, Igor, Igor's mine. <laughs> I've been playing Igor oh, oh, wait, a maybe, lot. Maybe like, not. Maybe not. Maybe Flower Boy. I ran Flower Boy into the ground when it so came did out, I, but... and now I, I like haven't really revisited it simply because of that. Like I still love that it project, so but good. it's just like, yeah, it's just like I really, I kind of ruined it for myself. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. The thing is, I haven't listened to it in a while, so te- I suppose mm-hmm. if we were going off currently listening, then maybe not. But if I'm honest. It's just because I listened to it so much. That's all. I'm going to go mm-hmm. back and definitely listen and love it again. I know I am because yeah. it was amazing. And But then Igor is right there. It's it's yeah right next to it for me. Igor was incredible. Yeah, I'd say I'd say Igor and Wolf are, are like neck and neck for me just because like Wolf, the time it came out and like the kind of music it was. I think it really like, I don't know, All of Odd Future was really shaping my understanding of like what what more experimental rap music could sound like. Absolutely. So. Sure. Yeah, I think Wolf was like very monumental in my my understanding of that. So I have to like put it up there for significance and also for like general playback. I do play that project a lot. I haven't in a while, you know. I haven't listened to some old Tyler in quite a while. Yeah, I would highly recommend. I think it's like he has a kind of reputation about himself right now where everyone's like, well, yeah, we like him now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like y'all are sleeping on Dude, like he was, how he was good. great Tyler was yeah. his whole entire career. I, like Igor's I, his, what, like fifth, sixth album? I don't even know. Like, yeah, but even then he was dropping things in between. Crazy. His features have been crazy too. Um, yeah. Like he had features on, uh, he, uh, there was a song he released not that long ago about the Grinch album or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That was so good. I listened to this that track all the time. I, what was it? I don't remember what the name is. Damn, I have it on one of my playlists for yeah, sure. Though. I forgot about that. You're so right. The Grinch album is so good. Oh, man. It's like I don't know, just inability to do a soundtrack like that. It's, Who else is doing it? At least currently with modern music, you know, it's like I just I don't big. I don't bag. see it as often as I'd like to. <laughs> I just found the name of the track. It's called Big Bag by Tyler. Oh Bichetta. yeah, Big Bag it's is so, so good. good, man. It's such a good track. And the thing is, I, I've heard him do all these different things, like go all across the spectrum and try so many different things. But that being able to do that and stay on brand like is absolutely yeah. insane. Because most people, yeah. when they really try and spread thinly across a bunch of different things and try a bunch of things out, they, it obviously becomes like, okay, this is your niche. You should really stick to that. If, or like, these are maybe your things you can do, but you know, not, not, not everything. But Tyler really has kind of excelled in everything um yeah literally like just also everything yeah i was just looking at the wolf track list and like jamba like track two is one of my favorites and also parties and over campfire bimmer and i fucking hate you like those are three of probably my favorite tyler greater songs of all time and they're all on that album so like yeah yeah i think it's wolf <laughs> i think it's um, you know what legitimately wolf. also the tonight. album cover for wolf is so iconic to me like it's holds a very special place in my heart yeah, you know, that's another thing as well as a like as a designer. I think that um I've had certain Oscar points that kind of change with me. It's like uh nowadays what what my what my thing is, I'm I'm more like I'm I'm towards music stuff, but my background is more like logos and like trying to simplify things as far as I can without removing all of the function. That's basically my my shtick, right? And I'm just sort of mm-hmm. gravitated towards the music side of it because I fucking love music. Um, and yeah. so it makes more sense when I can really like, you know, connect with whatever the hell I'm designing for because it, it just comes mm-hmm. out way better. Um, but 
uh, album art stuff and everything like that, like Tyler really just did it really well as well. Like he didn't even do some crazy stuff. He didn't overdo it. Like he he just made it, put it out, and that was it. And it was like whatever. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. And I feel like a lot of people are just overproducing things, overthinking it, really like asking for like all the bells and whistles on top of something for no reason. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, it just comes out like they're trying to copy something. Like like they see something yeah. that's successful and they go, I'm trying to do that. But I don't think Tyler yeah. ever did that. So ever. And it's like the thing that keeps you constant and keeps you like, you know, changing at the same time, which is really good. I don't know. I just feel like all creatives kind of feel that pull where you might be inspired by certain things, but you're always trying to like innovate within your own, for sure. within your own realm. Cause it's just like, no one really likes creating really if you're just like trying to do something that's already been done completely yeah. you know like that's not, not really a that's not the doesn't feel like want. a creative process yeah exactly. yeah it's not really creating in that scenario i suppose technically nothing is new and whatever but like yeah you know that's but there like has saying, to be like some you know, element of novelty too, too yeah like it's like saying you know technically you know bread was invented a long time ago right so anyone can <laughs> bake bread anyone but exactly your bread might be fire though you know like it, for just some exactly. little thing that you throw in there you know it's the same thing i feel like that you know even though all the bits and pieces that people put together are very similar technically and people have technically done everything or whatever there's still mm. nuance and different combinations right and 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 the individual yeah. and blah 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 so i feel like it just adds a lot to that um i don't know where we can segue from there to be honest with you i had a segue it was right there in my head and it's gone um, um i was actually gonna ask cool. um if you like if you had to pick or I guess if Odd Future is one of those like collectives that really got you into like listening to rap music, yep. like where like where does the progression go from there? You know, like is it like I like Odd Future because this sounds a certain way and then like you're listening to like all mainstream rap now or are you like only listening to like more experimental rap? Like how did um, that kind of develop into your taste now? Well, originally the first rap that I was really um, exposed to was Eminem because my mom mm -hmm. had an album of his or something. I think she had um, the Eminem show and she bought the the ones after that and the ones after that as well. Basically, I'm pretty sure she just like, she fancied him because she doesn't like rap. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. There's nothing, no other rapper she can point out that she's ever liked at any point, but apparently she likes mm -hmm. Eminem. So, okay. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, I was growing up around that a little bit and I, I was the kid that was like, I enjoyed cleaning out my closet and things like that. I was like, in my head, I'm applying that to my dad because he was, he was the bad one in the family, you know, like <laughs> I'm just the yeah. cringy white kid that's just like relating to Eminem lyrics at a certain age, you know, which is not a good thing to relate to for the most part. So yeah, yeah like right. not good at all. But, um, <laughs> but then at a certain point, you know, I grew up a bit uh, and as I'm growing up, I think I saw Odd Future and then... I saw Yonkers first and then I was like, it just kind of opened up my eyes to something that wasn't at all like Eminem. Like it was, mm -hmm. it was completely different. Like I'd heard some old stuff here and there of like, you know, for example, um, Shook Ones and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. some Mob Deep here and there and little bits of MF Doom and like other things. I heard MF Doom on a Gorillaz track, for example, um, like forever ago i remember as a kid but i only found that out years later when i went and back and listened to the track by accident and i was like wait a minute i remember this track i knew doom was with the gorillas at one point it's I, awesome. it just like clicked you know um but yeah like uh it just made me um realize there was something else and then i mm. think i had a friend who was uploading gaming videos and he was putting 
um, Doom on it, actually. He was putting MF Doom on it. And I saw a video of Earl and Tyler at the concert at a certain point with mm -hmm. MF Doom, the one where they're like, you didn't yeah. him and all that. I remember that video. And yeah. I remember seeing that and I was just like, oh, okay, so they respect him. I respect them. I like, I loved the art stuff they did. I love when they spoke. Mm -hmm. I thought they were really creative people. I really like them in general. So I was like, cool. So they respect him. I'll, I've heard a track from him that I liked, to be fair. I'll have, I'll have a bit more of a look. And then I Googled it and I remember I saw Mad Villainy right at the top. And I was just like, okay, this seems like five out of five according to everything I've ever, I just can see it on. Everyone's gone yeah. crazy. Um, and then so I was like, okay, cool. I'll sit down and I'll listen to this. And then my mind was fucking blown. I was just like, whoa, this production is insane. And yeah. this sounds different, different. Like I was just like, okay, so this is now three different things I'm, th I'm looking at basically. And then I started thinking, wait a minute. So what other things have I listened to? And then the Mob Deep didn't really sound like any of them, really. It was also quite mm -hmm. different. I was like, wait a minute. Fuck, there's a lot more variation than I'm realizing. And yeah, I, that's, what's, that's like the best part of rap. Like, real. I don't know. There's so much. It, like, people act like, you know, things aren't uh, as good now or whatever. Like, you know, people yeah, aren't like rappers as much or like the mumble <laughs> rappers. And, and yeah, technically, I grew in a way. Like, you could say there are more people mumbling and not really thinking about lyrics than there were before, technically, I guess. Mm -hmm. Or maybe more, there are more people that are visible doing it, I guess, because I'm sure there were plenty of people mumbling um, yeah. throughout time. Yeah. Um, but like, who cares? I just, because it's, if you just look for it, you can find any genre. It's there. Someone, yeah. someone is sitting also, there doing it. So yeah, I also think it's interesting because every time people like criticize, like quote unquote, mumble rap or whatever, I'm always like, I don't know. To me, even the people who are considered the like the absolute like apex of what mumble rapping is, it's mm -hmm. like I can understand them. <laughs> you know, so it's like a lot of the times the critiques of like people being illegible are coming from people who just have like zero access to the type of language that's being used in this like specific genre they don't get it, so yeah. they're like what are you even saying like this doesn't even make sense and it's like well yeah like that's kind of the point right like hip-hop yeah. specifically kind of started so that people could speak amongst their own communities yeah. and it was already like barring access from from communities that didn't understand that language so it's like when we start getting rappers that are that are more accessible in the sense that they can be understood across multiple different like kind of communities it doesn't have now to that has become like the standard for people where they think that if you're not doing that then like you're not a good rapper and i'm like that developed later like as a way for hip-hop to be more accessible so to me it just feels like a a kind of difficulty in understanding what the joy in a lot of different music is which is that it belongs to its its niche, yeah, you know? Yeah. It, so it's like it's you either try reason. to engage, yeah, you either or... try to engage with it where it is, or it's not for you. But like, there's no need to to invalidate or discredit the niche that it's made for just because you're not a part yeah, of that what, niche. There's just know? no point. It's wasted energy from yeah, from every literally. angle, really. Like, there's there's just mm -hmm. no point in. I, the thing is, there, it's easy to get in that mode when you. So in between finding good rappers, I definitely found good rappers that were also somewhat cringy because in my mm -hmm. head the thing that was impressive because i couldn't i at that point i hadn't really spent that much time thinking about the lyrics and putting my time into really thinking about it and like you know mm -hmm. caring about that shit so i was finding people like hops in at certain points when he was releasing his like um what was it called the one was in his bedroom um 
Yeah, I don't really know any of his music, but I know it's kind of like within the same kind of wheelhouse. Like a lot of people who were getting into early, like Odd Future, it it's kind of like that. Yeah. That was the pipeline, you know? Like yeah, it sure. was that same type of like kind of like grimier, edgy, like, people don't like, want my edgier rap. Exactly. Yeah, like like oh no one the you know the 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 platforms don't want me on their opinion because I'm just so yeah it was real. it was essentially like the resurgence or the renaissance of like Eminem like truly sure, that's yeah. the thing a right like people, <laughs> yeah. a bunch of people just doing that exact thing that's true yeah um but yeah it just you know eventually I got to that point where I was just like okay what I really appreciate is the creativity so if I've heard someone rap fast a million times or I've heard someone say the same punchline they've said a million times better. And I've heard people mm -hmm. say in battle raps, even people that aren't getting paid like ridiculous money for, per album, etc. Yeah. It might not hit the same way. Like it might, it might exactly. be like you know, if you're really trying, if that's your art that you're trying to show me, then cool. But like there has to be something authentic about it, or like a, a something about you rather than just something I've already heard a million times. Like oh, yeah. look at me double time rapping or something, you know. Uh, but Hopson yeah. was his his ill mind series was was uh, was mm -hmm. that one, and I think I enjoyed it. Because he was kind of like, you know, he's making fun. Very similar to how uh, Tyler was in a lot of ways, where he was like, he, he was very much like counter culture or whatever you would you would call it, right? Yeah. You know, he didn't really want to conform with whatever the people around him were telling him to do, etc. And, and that kind of vibe was definitely where I was at at that time. So yeah, it clicked. The vibe is very, it's very hip hop. So I think that's why, like, when you engage it, when you engage with it in that specific medium, it just has a certain power, you know. It's like you can hear people talk about like anti-establishment ideas in like any genre of music, but there's something about it being in like something that people largely don't even consider music. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it makes it, it adds this extra layer to it where it's like, like not only am I deconstructing maybe your ideas of what is allowed to be said on a song, but I'm also deconstructing your idea of like what songs are supposed to sound like. So I think that's the thing about hip hop that's always intrigued me. It's just that it's like, a complete kind of deconstruction of form mm -hmm. when you really think about the way that hip hop songs are constructed. It's like, we're not, we're not really, well, I mean, and this isn't true for all hip hop for sure, yeah, but it's depends. like, yeah. yeah, there's, there's a certain, there's a certain understanding that the rules don't quite apply, you know, like whatever the rules are in your head, like whatever construct that you have in your head you of like them. music is supposed to sound like this rap is like an understanding that you can break them. Right. Even if those rules are different between, you know different people so i think you know there's something exciting about hearing that lyrically but it's it's just extra hits when you're also hearing it on in the medium of rap so i have an example of who, who does something very much like that um someone who who mixes two things we've definitely had a conversation about him before um jpeg jpeg mafia is someone that oh i'm God, yeah. heavily into um i don't remember how i came across him originally um i really don't remember um I don't think it was night. Uh, I don't remember the name of the track now. The the Calvert track, the whatever the number is. Oh yeah, um, fifteen thirty nine. That's the one. Um, that track. I don't think it was that one. I think I, I think I heard that one after the fact. But maybe maybe I saw him on Kenny Beats or something. I think he was in the mm. cave. Maybe is when I saw him, and I was just like, nah, man, this guy is like really creative, really really unique. He's very much himself. Um, there's another person I'm going to mention in a minute who's very much like that too that I'm super into. Um, but I've just remembered. Um, really good example. Also, someone I found on um, on Kenny Beats actually, I think. Um, but uh, so Peggy just 
I really like that kind of production that he does because it's very abrasive. It's very much in your face. He doesn't give a fuck if he, if you like how mm-hmm. it sounds or not. He's just making his art again. It's one of exactly. those people once again. And he he just, I don't know, there's just something about it that, that like clicks with me. And a lot of the music that I that I listen to this outside of rap mm-hmm. is like super like um, brain feeder label type stuff. So very much mm-hmm. like Lawn, uh, Lapalux, um, Flying Lotus's old stuff, especially like Zodiac shit and stuff like that. Oh my God, yeah. So I love, I love like, um, oh, I just remembered like what my influence is and how I got to the point as well. But I'll, I'll, we'll go back over that later. We can speak about production <laughs> and stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, I love that kind of stuff. I love like having headphones on and having like just some crazy like, yeah. like I did Acid once and listened to Lawn. Uh, there's acid rain which is the track yeah on on repeat uh for like the whole time and (laughs) the things that happened in my head man like you i can't even explain to you but it benefited me in my opinion so no no negatives um don't do drugs kids but i did and it was yeah (laughs) and Um, it was great (laughs) it it was it was fun but it was painful somewhat so Mm -hmm. uh you know do as you wish adults kids don't do it ever it's bad yeah um and then again, I'm, you know what I mean? If you're a kid and you're here, please leave, actually. This is not for you. <laughs> this is not... This, I just realized, yeah, this is not for you. Don't, don't be in this video. Go away. I'm not, I'm not culpable <laughs> for anything that happens to you from this channel because this is <laughs> 18 plus and you must have lied. Um, so uh, the other person I want to mention as well, but you can, you can tell me about like, how you found Piggy, I suppose, in a second, but Slow Tie. Slow Tie is someone yeah. also who just doesn't sound like anyone else, even though he's got this... He's not from London. He's from Northampton, but like yeah. he's got this Londonish accent, and he's kind of grimy. It isn't really like it. Like he has his own. Yeah, niche. it's like it's a, it's a specific kind of spin on it. Yeah, it's, for sure. Yeah, I I mean the thing that I love so much about JPEG is that he produces in in addition to rapping. Because I just I don't know, like as a person who I'm in a band and I'm not like you know, a rapper by myself, just like commissioning beats from producers, but Mm -hmm. I actually like work exclusively with one producer, you know, and the way that we started, like I haven't, I don't think I produced any of the beats that's currently on our album cut right now, but uh, like the way that we kind of started making music together was through producing together. So I just think that there's a certain process that happens when you make a beat and you're also crafting words like in your head at the same time that is like very kind of rare in rap music, but also has a very specific sound. And that's like what really stands out to me about JPEG Mafia is just that like, like I think about, what is it called? I think it's Real Nigga, the one with the ODB sample. Right, I think so. Where it's like, right? Like that to me, when you think about the fact that as a rapper, he is influenced very heavily by ODB. And then you think about like the way that he use utilizes ODB in the actual production of that song. And it just, it unfolds on a different level. You know, it makes the song like special to me in a very specific way. So I think that's something that's unique to rappers who also produce. And that's like, I don't know, that's the thing that really made Peggy stand out to me. I think the first, stuff that i heard from him was probably baby i'm bleeding i think right, or okay. like that video i think was the first thing i saw but 
pretty much bedroom that whole every track, album is like every track one of my to. favorites now so every every single yeah. it's just like it's always super interesting there's almost there's loads of texture to it is how i i would i would say oh yeah and i love that the soundscape Oh, I love it, man! And I need to get the thing is I'm using earbuds right now because I have like a um I used to have um a little bit better headphones, but um they were I don't know they they broke and I had to replace them with like a gaming headset, which just isn't ideal. So I'm gonna uh, soon enough I'm gonna invest in some actually good headphones, and then I'm gonna be so much happier because man, like I miss listening to music and good stuff. <laughs> it hurt, <laughs> it hurts to not you know it's not that bad. Yeah, though, it's fine. Um, but yeah, um. Yeah, JPEG Mafia, man, it just, it clicked with me in the same way that these ambient kind of like, uh, I think IDM, I think they're called, kind of mm -hmm. uh, artists did. Um, and like, Do you listen to Injury Reserve? Who? At all? Injury Reserve? Injury Reserve. No, yeah. I don't, but I know. You I should do. definitely listen to Injury Reserve. I think you would really, really like them. It's a very like... In terms of the way the music sounds, I think you would appreciate the creativity and like the way that the the rap music feels like it's always trying something new. Because I don't know, they remind me of JPEG Mafia a lot. They're also like a duo, so it's like you get or are they a trio? Trio, I trio. I just googled them. Yeah, trio. Yeah, they, I, I've definitely. Been so you get like before. production and you get bars. You know, it's just like it's a very similar and iconic combination that I feel when I listen to JPEG's music. Oh, do you um do you like clipping? I do like clipping. It's actually really interesting. Wait, maybe this is a good segue to me talking about poetry. Um, but I don't know if you know this, but David Diggs, who is the rapper in Clipping, is also in Hamilton, which is what most people know him from. Um, he is like a slam poet. Like, and I'm from the like poetry world. Like, that's how I really got started doing creative stuff in general. So it's like the amount of times that I have hung out around David Diggs and like been at the same poetry events as David Diggs before Hamilton and before clipping is just it blows my I mind think. now because like listen yeah it's like listening to his music now and that's another reason why I love him as a rapper is because you can almost hear and like feel the poetry influence mm -hmm. in his writing um which a lot of my favorite rappers do have like a kind of foundation in poetry yeah um so that world to me I didn't realize that it was kind of like a pipeline to rap when I got into it, because I didn't. But then, yeah, that's no. Oh, yeah. I wanted to be a rapper because you had when piece. I started doing poetry. That's crazy. Yeah, you have a good point. That is funny. So I think it's interesting that there are certain artists that have kind of like paved the way for what it looks like to be a foundational poet who just likes art and writing on multiple different mediums, and how you're you can kind of like take that into different directions. Mm -hmm. Whether it's like doing it for for plays, like writing kind of rap renaissance in that style or whether it's you know doing like horror core rap you know yeah. i just think like david diggs you can really tell that he has a, a kind of narrative brain and the way that he approaches rap is like it's from a very theatrical perspective like a, a, a background in theater and a background in poetry For sure. and i think it's super image yeah i just i really I relate to it. it like you can, yeah. you can imagine every step of what he, of what the, what is being described in, in the track every single time and and the soundscape is almost like in a movie where the soundscape is designed for that too except it doesn't have the visual element so it's it's pulling its weight by making you make up the visual element right but like a book really yeah. like a good it's yeah. the same thing really it's all just kind of spread across with different things, I guess. I, I do think that people and, should niche, but I think that the misunderstanding is that niche could mean like, oh, well, you only have to be a graphic designer or you only have to be a yeah. rapper or something. But the niche can actually just be what you are creative about. 
So for example, you could be a creative across the medium of music, for example, but it doesn't mean you have to be in one part of the music. You could just be super good at something that applies to a bunch of things in music, right? Like you could just be super creative in that particular thing, but it could apply to creating music, blogging about it, blah, 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 right? Like there's several Mm -hmm. different ways that it can go. And I feel like, yeah, the niche should really be more the topic that you're uh, passionate about, if anything, in my opinion. Yeah. Which I don't know how much you like, uh, like know about like kind of the international like poetry industry. <laughs> it's not really something not that like people talk about a lot, but um, but you know I think like prior to pursuing music full time, I actually taught poetry to thirteen to nineteen year olds in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. um, as kind of like a it was both like a workshop program that would happen sometimes like during the summer or after school. Um, but then we also did in school like classes. And then in addition to that, we would coach a team of like five young people for an international poetry slam competition that happens every year. Right. Um, and that really like opened my eyes to like just the poetry and the phenomenal writing that exists in so many of the like major cities in the, the United States. Um, Specifically, like, how poets and rappers kind of just, like, roll together accidentally. <laughs> like, it's never really, like, an intentional thing, but, like, the way that ciphers and the way that slams kind of exist in the same space has always been, like, kind of a stepping stone into into rap, I guess. Um, so, like, uh, David Diggs is a great example, but I don't know if you know, like, or if you listen to a lot of No Name, or if you listen to a lot of like Chance uh, the Rapper uh, and like Saba. Saba, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like like all those people are people who like started at poetry open mics and then like started making their poems into music, you know? So I think there's kind of a culture that's not hugely spoken of about how young people get into creative writing and how that creative writing can sometimes shift into rap. Because I think the perception of rap a lot of the times is just that like everyone who's a rapper wanted to be a rapper when they were 13, Mm -hmm. you know? And like have just been writing raps their whole life. But I think when you listen to people like No Name or when you listen to people like Saba, when you listen to like Chance the Rapper, it's like the style of writing that they have, it feels very like, like you can tell that the the foundation is different, you know? It's sure. the same thing as like when you listen to hip hop artists that have like a foundation in jazz versus when you listen to a hip hop artist that has a foundation in like, like rock and roll, you know, <laughs> it's like the Flying product Hollis is different. He's a good example yeah. of that actually, because I know that his uh, granddad was John Coltrane, I think, or something. I think yeah. something like that. Yeah. It, was, it was something, I def- it was definitely Coltrane, but I don't know how, how he's related, but he was brought up on all those things too. So like you can tell in his music too, right? Like you can, you can definitely see it. Um, And the influence is also something that heavily interests me too. I feel like Mm -hmm. um, actually the thing is about poetry, like that is true that there isn't really that much um, highlight on how this really works outside of the people that really do it. Like, cause I, I don't, I don't think I've seen very much posted about it at all, really, at least not in, in, in front of me um so I'm, mm. I'm very 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 much ignorant on the topic to be fair um but it's something that actually does interest me too the thing but but it also feels like um you just said like a lot of people um will assume that a rapper will have wanted to be a rapper since they were really really young right um mm-hmm. so i think maybe i've got a kind of complex in my head kind of like that too that like if i if i ever 
not that I want to necessarily, but it definitely is an idea in my head because I feel like if you're into a certain art, it sometimes you will definitely consider doing it in some way or another. Um, yeah. But in my head, like I thought, oh, well, I could I could write poetry. Right. But then thinking about it, I'm like, well, I haven't this whole time. And there are people that mm -hmm. have been doing it the, the my whole life. Right. Seems a bit like like almost um, what's the word? It's, it seems a bit con not condescending, like a bit convoluted that I would just go, oh, I'm, I'm just as good as these guys. I'm just going to hop in. And, you know, it just seems a bit like. I like do. Myself, I understand know. that. I definitely understand that. But I think the way that I've been engaging with my own creative energy lately is just recognizing that I don't always know what's best for an idea that I'm trying to express. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like sometimes I have these feelings where I'm like, oh, I just like I really need to be able to express this or talk about this in some way. And I think because I've been writing poetry since I was like nine, I just had this like knee-jerk process where it was like oh okay if you feel something just write a poem right and i think it i didn't realize that the way that i viewed poetry put constraints on my writing and the way that i expressed myself through poetry and the idea of switching to a different medium in order to express sometimes the same ideas that i've already expressed in poems it opened it up to me where I, I was able to talk about it in a different way, you know? Right. So and I think kind of like sketching. not holding yourself. Yeah. Not holding yourself to having to express certain ideas exclusively through one medium. I think you'll be surprised how many inclinations you have towards other art forms, even if it's not like, okay, maybe this is my career path from here on out. Yeah. But it's like, if I never followed that impulse, I don't think I would be rapping now, you know? And now it's like, when I have a any sort of feeling, I'm more inclined to write a verse than I am to write a poem. So it's just like, you know, I think there are times in my life where I need different mediums and there are ideas that need different mediums. And I try to be as, I guess, reverent as I can mm -hmm. to the actual idea gotcha. and what it wants. And if it's supposed to be a photo or if it's supposed to be like a makeup look or if it's supposed to be an outfit and i'm like trying to write a song it's probably not gonna come out good yeah so, yeah. <laughs> so, so the focus is just more what the creative thing is but then you'll just kind of let it come out as whatever it does so sometimes you'll do something exactly. that isn't necessarily the right medium but because you've spent that time being creative around it it might pull it out mm -hmm. of you what you really want to do and go oh you know what exactly. that's a good idea da, da, da. yeah it's very similar for me actually it's like sketching really like um mm -hmm. when you're teaching someone to, how to logo design for example um the the thing that people really don't realize is like um, you'll often see the end product and it might be a very simple looking shape, right? But the amount of things you have to draw over and over again and iterate is a yeah. lot. Like it's not that every single time you have to, but you should really like, so mm -hmm. the idea is it's not that everything you draw is going to be amazing. It's not supposed to be, it's supposed to be yeah. whatever. It's just, you're getting all of that on the paper so that you know what exactly. doesn't work, what kind of does work, why it doesn't. And those things will just start clicking in your head. And then by the time you've got exactly. all the crap out, you'll see the good bits and be like, oh, you know what? Actually, I, I think it'd be better as this. Or actually, yeah. I now understand it better. Maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe I want to do this instead, you know? Mm. It's the same thing, really, um, for just even even just specifically logo design. So when I say there's parallels also, between creatives, it's kind of nuts how many there are, really. Yeah, so, so, so many things are similar. I was going to say also maybe this is like a good sort of segue to talk about like gender, especially. Mm -hmm. But I noticed that like, my approach and my kind of idea towards my own writing when it came to poetry was like, it was almost like I was performing in a different way than I perform gender when I rap, okay. you know? And I think part of that is just because like rap is, is seen as like 
very distinctly black, first of all. And I think blackness in general is seen as very distinctly masculine. So you already have those associations that are just like part of the way that we racialize certain people, right? Like being a black and being a feminine person, femininity has never really been something that I feel like super accessible to me. Okay. So there's something really empowering about me being able to understand my own masculinity through like braggadocious rap, you know? Cause like, that's the, the era that's like, that's the aura that like that certain rap has. Right. And if I, and if I have been in a place where I'm like expressing like vulnerability or I'm like learning how to talk about my softness in a way that's like very poetic and very, what I would consider to be sweet, then it becomes difficult for me to portray like the multiplicity of my gender in a medium that I've been using exclusively for one thing, you know? Mm. So I feel like rap music became a way for me to also like compartmentalize certain certain personifications of my gender and certain performances of my gender in a way that was easier for me to see and easier for me to like digest, gotcha. you know? Because sometimes it's hard to exist in one space and feel like you're you're accurately portraying all the sides okay, of yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. the sides of yourself. And I think yeah. mediums do that where they like they kind of box you in to like oh okay if i've been writing poetry for for 5 years and the the self that i express in my poetry is this specific self then like where do i express all my other selves and is there always room for all my other selves to be expressed in the medium that i've chosen and i noticed that that wasn't the case right. like it made there you were other things that i wanted it. to express artistically exactly so i think rap in addition to just being a way for me to try out certain ideas that I had on different mediums. It also was a way for me to try out like my view of myself right. and how I perform on different mediums. Yeah. Exactly. So I think it really shaped it in that way too. I think art is definitely a, a big thing um, for me. Uh, f from what I can tell, anyone who does any kind of art, I feel like is, it's a very big thing for understanding yourself, at least if you do it honestly. Mm -hmm. But then it, I suppose if you don't do it, if you do it to like just make money, then it's not really art. It, you're you know what i mean like if that's the only thing you care about i mean like it, it, it doesn't it's not really art in that scenario most of the time in my opinion it's more like a like if you're for example making a um a piece of artwork knowing like this is going to be this much money and i have absolutely no artistic idea of any idea of any, anything like that at all yeah. it's not really art is it it's just you've made a design maybe to then sell it yeah art comes from more of the honest expression to me like that's what that mm -hmm. means to me so i feel like um, the reason this is such a passionate topic for me as well is because it's really helped me. I know plenty of people in general that it's helped. And I feel like the more, uh, there's a lot of people that you meet as well that say, oh, I'm not very creative. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's almost always not true. Um, yeah, like always. Like really you don't need to be ridiculously amazing at drawing off rip you, you don't need to be amazing at like singing off rip you don't you know what i mean like people don't mm -hmm. make that first step because they think that this this idea of talent is something that's just so important they think that you have to just be born good at something uh or with mm -hmm. some you know you know or you have to start super early like you mentioned before actually or Otherwise, you just there's no way you're going to be good at it. But I just don't think that's true. I think almost everyone has something creative in there. It's just no one really like honestly expresses themselves because they're too busy doing yeah. whatever else. I and suppose. I think there's something to be said about the medium too, like pulling certain things out of you where you might be like, oh, I'm not a creative person. And then you maybe it's just because you've been 
experimenting with mediums that you just don't feel like you're you're like the accuracy of translation from coming out of your head onto that medium is like so diluted that you're just like discouraged by the fact that it, it's not measuring up mm -hmm. but sometimes it's a time thing where it's like you just have to wait you just have to keep doing it and that picture is going to become more and more accurate but sometimes it's like switch the medium and you notice that for some reason it's easier for you to feel accurately expressed yeah simply because you tried something that you know yeah. you might not have tried before so that's why i'm like i always encourage people who are deep into one artistic pursuit to try something else if it even slightly interests them yep. because i think that impulse that you feel will open you up to some idea that's trying to be expressed exclusively through that medium so and now is the best time because uh back in the day if you were growing up or whatever it was very difficult to find places to learn certain things you'd have to be around the yeah. right people maybe find a tutorial for certain things and just kind of fiddle around and work stuff out now the internet is so ridiculously filled with tutorials and people doing it uh like whatever they do professionally you can find really anything so you know yeah. if you want to start something now is the perfect time in my opinion like. <laughs> yeah literally just start man pick something if it doesn't work it doesn't work go to the next thing go, get a, get a, um, a skillshare subscription it's like ten dollars or yeah. something and there's so not only things. is education more accessible but also just actual equipment because i know for me like i i'd say i made like the first beat like i produced my first beat probably when i was like six 16 maybe like for real for real because i had i've had like fruity loops on my computer forever <laughs> like Same. i remember I'm being not, very yeah, young yeah. and having fruity loops on my computer because my brother who's five years older than me he's always been like a musician and so i would kind of just like watch him try and like track his guitar into his computer so i had an understanding of what DAWs were when i was probably like 14 mm -hmm. but i didn't actually figure out how one worked find all of my sounds and actually make a beat until I was about 16. So it was like sophomore, sophomore in high school. And I was like, not, I was by then probably eight years into writing poetry and like competing poetry, like doing actual shows. So it's like the idea that then to now I would be like primarily doing music <laughs> as like a form of my sole form of artistic expression is something that I never would have really expected for myself and I think a lot of people think that that's probably late but I don't know for me 16 being the first time I produced a beat and then I didn't even really start wanting to release music until like 2016 so it's been like five years it's really not mm -hmm. hasn't like, been that long <laughs> yeah like I feel like now is just the perfect time to do it because you can learn much quicker than you ever could there's way more access exactly. to certain things we mentioned we mentioned off stream as well um the Kenny Beats Discord, um, and yeah. how that's like that is actually just an awesome Discord in general. To be honest, there's an enormous community on there. There's channels for like graphics stuff, so there's people constantly posting their work and getting feedback and all that from each other. There's uh, mm -hmm. there's like if you subscribe to his channel on Twitch, you get like uh, loads of samples and uh, you get to like there's just loads and loads and loads and loads of resources in there, you know. And they're constantly yeah. giving them, and then they're doing like beat battles and there's just so many things to do now, like to be a creative you know just do it honestly people should honestly just try something i swear um right uh so i want to actually ask you how do you know frack oh um through that same uh poetry organization i was telling you about where he was we like taught workshops yeah um he's doing like mc classes and stuff and i was doing poetry classes cool. so it was like really good like really good company and resource for a lot of young people to learn some of the skills that they 
you know, it's kind of the same thing, like you're saying, where the internet is a resource for that. Yeah. We were essentially doing that, but like in a community based center. So like it's like, with people we had, like- yeah, we had certain partnerships with like libraries that would have studios and stuff. So if there was a kid in my poetry class that like every single time we were writing poems, just kept writing bars, I would just be like, yo, like <laughs> we can, we can hook you up. You're trying to make a mixtape, like, you know, just trying to help kids like be able to express themselves yeah. in ways that maybe they would not have access to do on their own. And there's a lot of organizations like that in multiple cities in the US. And that's why I was mentioning some of the people from Chicago because I worked in the Bay Area, but the organization that is pretty much the equivalent of what my org was in Chicago um, is Young Chicago Authors. And that's the same org that Chance the Rapper recorded his first mixtape, like through the library system of that org. So it's like, you know, it's a a community and it's a, yeah, it's a resource that. that like a lot of current rappers have used in order to start their careers but it's not really like not really talked about that often so and i i can honestly say that it's a resource that helped me like get more interested in it as well so it wasn't quite the same pipeline of me being like a high school student because i didn't get involved until i had already moved to california and i was like 19 at the time so i really just joined the organization because i was doing competitive slams and they hosted a lot of the slams that were in the area um and then after i had been on the competitive slam team for one year because i was 19 and that's the the, like oldest that you can be um when i was 20 i started working for the organization so it was literally very fast it was like the next year i was like okay well you want to help i'm too old to like participate in this but i want to be involved in this because it's a really awesome program so i'd love to do shit like that for sure (laughs) that's something that um... it was really great you know, since the whole veganism thing, um, which I'm sure we can get onto later on, um, yeah. and how uh, being a moral vegetarian is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yes, that, that's the thing we're going to agree on. Um, but before I get into that, like I think for me that uh, I said to you yesterday as well, but we can get on it later. But like for the full thing, but yeah, um, for me a big shift happened where I just started like empathizing a lot more in general, and I feel mm-hmm. like I, I did empathize before, but I was a little bit more. Um, conditional with it i would say like i was kind of like it, it, i defaulted by not empathizing that much and then if someone like really worried me or something or mm-hmm. something like that then i would empathize but then with animals it would be more like a i don't want to think about it and if i do it would be a problem and then it just clicked or whatever but i think that um ever since like that thing changed i've been wanting to do like more activism in general like for example mm-hmm. when things open it, it, things just closed down so like i wasn't able to go out and do like you know the the standing vigils that they do and stuff and go go mm-hmm. to the, go to the places and like see the pigs and stuff i want to do all that though and there, and it's not it's not like it's going to be pleasant um mm-hmm. but i want to do it uh, it's yeah. it, i want to do it because it's something i genuinely do care about and so i better put my money where my mouth is you know like otherwise yeah. i don't really believe it you, you know I'm, yeah i'm just saying it um so right it's like i don't know it, like as individuals the power that we really have is like our purchasing power unfortunately right <laughs> like i wish i had more power than purchasing power that but is, like yeah, capitalism dictates that that is my primary yeah. source of power That's the problem, so it's really. like yeah put your money where your mouth is it's really how capitalism you validate really a lot of beliefs it. under capitalism right <laughs> yeah it is, it is kind of it yeah the idea of profit instead of life is kind of it that's the that is yeah. the problem um it's just yeah. you know it's also extrapolated to us too uh, un- unfortunately um yeah damn that's sad anyway um (laughs) (laughs) 
let's get into a, a sad moment. So, Frack, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna shout yeah. out Frack for a moment because Frack's yeah. a good lad and he's he's helped me out a lot actually. Um, so, uh, I was watching battle rap, but I think I'd seen like one battle of Frack's. I don't think I'd seen mm-hmm. two. I think I'd literally seen one. Um, I didn't really know him that well, but I saw he was tweeting a bunch, and he was very funny every single time. So I was following him, mm-hmm. right? And then I think I noticed he post he he's posting like these uh events every now and then. And I'm a massive graphic snob, right? Huge, huge, yeah. huge snob. I just cannot Listen, done... if you can't be a snob about your medium, oh, what can you be right, a snob? Right, exactly. About? You I'm glad you understand. <laughs> but man, am I an asshole. Um but it just it just irked me a bit. So I am. So right, okay. So <laughs> um it irked me a bit, so I was like, I, I DM'd him, and I was like, yo, man, um, just wondering, if you're looking for any uh, flyer designs or whatever, I'd love to do one. Um, I'll do one for free for you. Uh, and he was like, cool, that sounds dope. I've actually got something coming up in, like, a week, so can you make it for that? So I made this little San Francisco bridge and a little, like, simple graphic kind of thing, put them behind it. Now it's terrible in my head. Garbage. I could do way better. <laughs> but for in comparison to what it was before, way better. And mm-hmm. it was from scratch. I didn't, like, use any stuff that yeah. I should have used, which is the main problem that I have, actually, with most of these designers, because they use stuff mm-hmm. they're not supposed to use. Yeah, just using, yeah. They don't use, sto- they don't use royalty-free stocks. They, they use stocks that they found on Google and stuff like that. And then, yeah. oh, it's the worst. That's the, uh, oh, don't even get me started. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I hit him up. I made that. He liked it. And then I made another one uh, that he paid me for. And I re- that's like still one of my favorite things. Um, I can show you that afterwards, after, uh, actually. I might like pop it up on the screen when I edit, actually, as well. Yeah. Um, it's called Over the Hills um, or, or Into the Hills or something like that. And, I, and mm-hmm. it, it had um, him, Animal Planet, um, uh, Bassy. Uh, um, oh, Bassy, yeah. Stunner Man 08 and someone else that I, I'm Majestic June and mm. um, it's just a really cool little flyer that I've made and I, I love it to this day and I love making that kind of style of thing um, but I made that for him and then ever since we've just kind of been boys and he just keeps like telling other people about me you know like whenever there's a yeah. point where someone makes a graphics post he's always tagging me and he's always telling people and people are always hitting me up and saying yo your boy Frack told me about you blah 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 so great guy and we play among us together actually so oh, cool um we actually do that in ilmax server so if you ever want to hop in you can definitely play among us with us it's actually very fun um, oh no don't get my gaming started i am not a gamer I, yeah but among <laughs> us, i'll be too stressed among us is i'll just, be too stressed it's fun it's fun i mean you play you play mario kart right yeah that's like the bar for me that's like the threshold <laughs> i can't even play smash like i can't i mean smash is difficult but among us is just like you walk about doing tasks like you just do little chores and then you might die and then you know and then if you don't just die, throw them and then you might die that's the anxiety part <laughs> yeah but but then you're a ghost so you you're just doing just chores and you might get murdered you, yeah that's true <laughs> you just have to walk you get to just float around you know we've, we've played it with like sm um uh, do you know sm yeah i love sm sm is one of my favorite people i'm gonna get him on here as well his new name nan fierro um love that man love that man um he's just a very entertaining human being in general like he's just very 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 funny all the time um and such a rapper bro that man can yeah oh my goodness like god damn um so yeah uh when i get him on he's also gonna have updated videos because he he released looper 
uh, not that long mm. ago, um, which people should definitely check out. It's on all streaming platforms. But you go on his Bandcamp, so Nan Fierro. I'm actually going to type in the chat real quick just for anyone that might be here. Nanfierro.bandcamp.com. Go to there. Buy it from him because he's awesome. So, um, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you got, you should honestly hop in at some point. It's, it's actually quite fun. Yeah. Um, it's just like a little community that we have on there of people. Um, and also, if you don't want to be there, you can just leave at any moment. It's amazing. You just, you could just leave. No no consequences. It's wonderful. Um right. So is there another topic that we haven't touched on that we did yesterday? Um what else were we talking about? I think that was it, right? Just like battle battle rap. Oh yeah, we, okay, battle rap. Graphic battle rap. design. Yeah. How like into battle rap are you? like at all decently like you watch like some... i know my battle rappers you know mm -hmm. right. <laughs> i feel like the frequency at which i watch a battle is not that frequent right. but but you know i like, feel like i i pay attention to like who they are and the music that's coming out you right. know okay yeah okay 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 cool fair enough fair enough well there's like there's gonna be like a portion of people that probably from a battle rap kind of like background from the, from this mm -hmm. as well and but the thing is a lot of the people that are in these communities that end up in these battle rap uh people's channels and stuff they're not really necessarily even into battle rap that much they just find these people yeah. through battle rap and then it ends up being more than that like if you talk to ilmac for example ilmac does not want to talk battle rap <laughs> like he, he yeah <laughs> even though ilmac is one of the best battle rappers on earth this man doesn't want to yeah. talk about battle rap like he's just not interested at all like he doesn't watch battle rap very much like I really like Elmac. I really like Nestle too. I really like who are my favorite battlers. This is a question I haven't yeah, answered in a very long time. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I don't know. I also I also really like SM. Yeah, SM. But I think I think Nestle is one of my favorites. Nestle like currently. Yeah. Nestle is dope for sure. He was he. I think he had a battle recently versus A Ward. Damn! I need to catch up. Nestle Wait, versus have I, a Ward. Have Let I me seen look. that battle? Yeah, he did. He did. It was in the Grand Prix. It was in a, a the tournament. Um, it was really good. Really good battle. Damn. Okay. Yeah, I'm really about to watch this later. It's dope. Um. So yeah, it's like the, the, they're just doing a lot of different things. Like for example, Ilmac is doing his music, so he's doing the um, uh, seasons. So he did spring, summer, autumn, and now winter is coming out soon um so and they're just really really good music in general like it, i i end yeah. up like listening to the other stuff that like i'm listening to in general but i i still i as much want those in there like they're really just genuinely good tracks and there's a lot of really good people that, that he gets uh in as well um i did a little bit of art for um him and milk if you've heard milk rap at any yeah, point yeah milk is dope um let me think. Who else is involved? Chase Moore is one of the best producers, full stop. Yeah. Just incredible. Um, you know, he's he's been streaming every now and then as well. He's been doing oh, like, awesome. he's been uh doing like producing streams. I don't I don't think he's been doing them that often, but he's like he's got it set up where he can at least do that, which is dope. Mm. It's fun to watch like creatives do their thing, right? Yeah. Damn. There's so many new Twitch channels that I'm about to start streaming. <laughs> like was not expecting this. I wasn't expecting to get addicted to Twitch in like right. an hour. There's a lot going on on here now. It's, it's just, it's just yeah. it's become a completely new thing, man. Like it, it used to just be games and now everyone's just doing their entire lives. Yeah, on there's here, so like, much good content. I've sure. been watching Young Skirts Twitch streams so much because he's one of my favorite 
for producers and his Twitch is great. Mm-hmm. Like he I makes damn near five beats every stream. Like he makes five beats from scratch every stream and he streams like three times a week. Insane. Like <laughs> that's absolutely insane. Chase, <laughs> so. Chase is the same. Chase, that man makes ridiculous amounts. Like, they, yeah. like sometimes like every couple of months he's like uh, selling beats and he'll just be, put like a little video of him scrolling through like a folder just ridiculous amounts and i'm just exactly. like exactly well how do you do this and, it, and the thing is I as well all of them are good like he, he opens any of them and they're just right no ridiculous. they're always absolutely insane these people um and that's that's actually what i love watching as well like i really the thing is i think i want to get into production at some point um do it. It's but it's really rewarding. I, again, I want to have like better audio setup. You know, I don't have like good yeah. headphones or speakers right now, so it seems like a probably not a good time to do it. I do have a little MPK Akai uh, MPK. Yeah, that's what I use as my like controller for like pretty much. Yeah, it's, I'm pretty, pretty sure every close good song, if not recorded with the actual like keys from the keyboard, we it's been on one of those like MPK minis. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a it's an iconic controller truly for sure it's I, everything I, could, I know i can use that i just need better headphones and then, yeah. and then once i do that i'm just get gonna the do that spend, These are great. Time for fun you know certainly not gonna sell anything unless i'm like crazy good for some some random reason like just you know it just clicks for some reason but if that doesn't happen then there's been <laughs> i'm not doing it for any other reason than my own fun you know it's just gonna be fun to do um do you think there's anything else you want to want to want to speak on or do you feel like you've Mm, i don't know because we have been going for just over an hour so you can really no rush to leave or or stay it's all good (laughs) either either way we don't really have a blueprint yet remember because this is the first episode (laughs) yeah that's yeah that's true um i'd be down to talk a little bit about close kid if you're down i want like really not like i briefly talked about how i haven't really produced any of the beats for the album that we're working on right now Absolutely. but um but first of all like my actual favorite producer in the world is amata who's my bandmate um and i think like one i am very i feel very challenged sometimes by the beats that amata makes but i also feel like there's never a beat that i hear that she makes that i'm like i couldn't make this into something awesome right you know <laughs> So it's like, it's it's the perfect balance of like, yeah, it's never obvious to me necessarily what the potential for the song is. Like very rarely is it immediately obvious, but I think that's what I love about them so much is that they unfold to me the more listens that I have. And then the ideas that I'm able to like pull from that process of it unfolding is like better than whatever an initial reaction would have been. Um, But yeah, not to spoil too much, but we definitely have like a full 13 songs. And I think there's not a single skip on it. So I'm very excited I believe <laughs> to it. release music. I believe and it. I'm very, I don't know. It's kind of goes back to what we were talking about where like rap is this like area or this platform and where I'm able to express a different side of myself. Um, I think the project that we're working on right now also is being like the kinds of songs that I've been writing have been ways for me to express myself differently than I've, been expressing myself on some of our previous work even Mm -hmm. so i think it's like it's nice that the process keeps renewing itself to me every single time i start another writing cycle right because we're also independent artists so we have to do everything ourselves so a lot of the times my year 
yeah, a lot of the times my year looks like a cycle where it's like, okay, I'm writing for this many months and then I have to shift into the mode where I'm like trying to get all the music videos together and then I have to shift into a mode where I'm promoting the work and then I have to shift into a mode where I'm performing live. And it's just like, okay, once that's over, then I start writing again and it feels like it's been a whole year. <laughs> so it's like nice. I get to get back into the creative process. But the thing that's kept it very new for me is that all of the beats that Amata makes always they always confuse me in a way where Come it's just on, like, oh, okay, I have to do something new. I can't just like write the way that I wrote for the last project. It's like, this is a whole new era and a whole new like style that I have to try and understand for myself. And because it's different, I'm able to express a different version of myself over it. Absolutely. So yeah, just like talking about production made me really think about that and how like I'm also definitely a bit of a rap and production snob <laughs> as a result of those things being my medium and the great thing about working with someone who like is as creative and is also just a different person than yourself mm -hmm. is that I'm always surprised by by what I'm given you know it's never it never feels like oh I've heard this a million times and I'm not it's not exciting me, get me. Yeah. in the way yeah because I get really snobby about that where it's like I listen to albums that I enjoy or songs that I enjoy. And I'm like, this beat isn't that exciting to me. Like, I love this rapper, but this beat just, it's, there's nothing new about the beat. It's not that it's bad. Nothing it's just, there's nothing really novel or interesting about it. And there's never been a beat that Amada has given me that I've felt that way about. The challenge most of the time is just like, how do I even do something? <laughs> you know, it's like the beat is dynamic enough where I could listen to this as a song. Yeah. and not get tired of it i actually don't need words per se to make this a good song so you're like so i, I think insert myself into this and yeah it almost becomes like it. i feel selfish sometimes because i'm like here i am like excited to be able to be on this song simply because it's already a good song yeah, it's <laughs> and good. like i want to be involved <laughs> it's like it's so, like you're featuring it's like you're featuring yeah right? it's like please let me get on this beat you know <laughs> so <laughs> So yeah, I think that's that's been something that's been really exciting me lately and making the artistic process less stale. Um, it's just trying to challenge myself with the kinds of beats that I rap over and trying to like change my style enough so that rather than bringing like whatever I consider to be the knife ingredients of like writing a verse to a song, I'm like, well, maybe the ingredients are different because this beat is like different than anything I've done before. So keeps me on my toes, keeps me adapting in a way that's really exciting. Um, yeah. And I guess I like wanted to ask if you feel like you have collaboration in your artistic process in a way that allows you to do that, like be inspired by things that are outside of your own head, you know? Yeah. Um, so kind of, I would say that I, I, I don't really have people around me right now that are like physically next to me that really give me creative uh, inspiration, to be honest with you, which is actually why I want to move away mm. from where I am. Um, I want yeah. I, I want to live in the Bay, to be honest with you, um, because I just feel like artistically and stuff, I, I'm just I just feel like I'd fit there. I just I like the people that I know that are from there very much. The art from there in general is amazing. People like Benny Gold, I follow on Instagram. I love that yeah. guy. Awesome, awesome illustrator. Such an such incredible. Uh, honestly, that guy is incredible. Um, skate culture is amazing there and i love skate culture yeah. i've i i want to skate again i used to skate when i was a kid um like you know there's so many aspects to that place that i just feel like i want to i want to be there but mm -hmm. i do can try and consume as many 
um i suppose this is kind of it you know like i'm i'm just around yeah. people as much as i can that are creative and i like talking about my creative stuff with them and vice versa and i feel like that's probably what makes me think about stuff and try and think about another way to like um approach things you know like um, yeah. because i i hear the parallels and i might think to myself oh okay that like so this worked for them maybe this will work for me you know and i feel like things just kind of click for me like that by just having conversations yeah. but yeah you're right i feel like i would probably be much better if i found someone that was my kind of like different to me but like complimentary yeah i think that would be good yeah for sure. exactly and i think that's also something that i value a lot about close good too is that like prior to being in this band like when i was in high school and when i started actually producing songs like the way that i started my artistic process was very collaborative because one i was doing poetry events which is like you're usually on a team or you're usually just around people all the time like your writing session and your performance is always like in this kind of live space but when i was doing music i also started writing and producing songs like in little high school bands like i was in like four or five different bands just in the last two years of my like uh school so it's like it's interesting that without really intentionally doing it I kind of always understood making music as being like a, a collaborative process right. I can't really imagine just being the type of person who just like I'm the only person who is involved in the decisions before a song comes out like it just doesn't it doesn't feel like that would be the kinds of songs that I would want to release anyway so yeah, it just feels like the thing that I appreciate so much about having a, a bandmate right now is that it's evolved simply because the dynamic works really well. And I've been in so many other bands where I love the people, but like we just aren't trying to do the same things creatively or we are trying to do the same things creatively, but like just who we are as people, it's like the lyrical content doesn't ever make sense together, right. <laughs> you know? So I just think I feel very lucky that I have a bandmate who both like makes the kind of music that i enjoy despite it not necessarily being what i would make if left right, to my own device yeah. that, and i was very surprised when i found you guys we work real. well together you know to the extent where it's like if we both write because we do this a lot sometimes in our writing sessions like ang is a great example we will separately write verses to the same beat like at the same time we'll just be playing the beat out loud and looping it and we'll both be having separate writing sessions and then after like an hour, we're like, okay, let's share what we wrote. And it'll be the same topic. Like, <laughs> so the amount of times I think we've had just weird experiences where we can have a similar vision for a song without having to talk about it yet. Right. And just start executing what we think would sound right over a song and then find out that we're like halfway through executing the same idea is something that I haven't really experienced in a lot of other collaborative, like, artistic pursuits that i've been in gotcha so yeah. once i found it i You're was like lucky. okay well i clearly have to do this a lot yeah <laughs> and to be honest with you when i found you guys i was really surprised as well like um i think i remember telling you that you you did remind me a lot of jpeg mafia like the way that mm -hmm. um it, the way that it hit me and how creative it was hit me in a very similar mm -hmm. way um and that and you i remember you saying originally that, that like you were very flattered by that because you love jpeg and that's obviously why yeah. i know that, that you liked jpeg mafia um but yeah like you're right you guys have it's not that you are on the same exact vibe it's that your both of your vibes kind of just click together right like yeah in that you both you both seem to understand what to offer in both directions you know like you can be offered with a beat um 
and the beat can be completely something you would never expect but at the same time mm -hmm. you it's never just all over the place for no reason it's not just complicated yeah. for no reason it's really yeah and we have similar understand. influences too yeah. so it's like even when something is complicated to me or even when i'm like approaching something from a rap perspective and i hear a beat that maybe doesn't necessarily give me that that energy immediately it's like i have a certain understanding of what Amada's influences are musically and they're very similar to a lot of my musical influences despite us like only meeting each other in the last five years right. so it's like I also have that kind of context for like okay well I know what this would sound like in our style like I know what <laughs> what a lot of songs would sound like in our style simply because our style is accumulation of like all of our influences and we have very similar influences you know exactly so, yeah. what the style of close good is like, exactly without really having it. to communicate it i think right. we've always kind of known what the style is which is very interesting to me it do, that is that is another thing as well there is a lot of continuity through your tracks where even if they're different they do sound like close good like really yeah. all of them um and that's something that you don't get with everyone a lot of people that are more experimental they don't really get that um feeling that everything is yeah. is actually the same you know artist a lot of it is just you yeah. know it is but it doesn't feel necessarily the same if they're experimenting a lot but you guys you experiment a lot but then you still have the same brand like you you know what your brand yeah. is and you know what you do i definitely think yeah. that's true um let me think so what was the other topic oh yeah let's get on to the veganism one let's do that for yes a bit. let's do it all right so um, for anyone that's watching that doesn't actually know, some of you, some of you that are watching definitely do know and might even complain that I'm saying it again right now in the chat, to be honest with you. Um, but I'm a militant vegan, an extremely vegan. But there we go. Oh, here we go. Thank you, Wixie. <laughs> um, so I'm a very militant vegan. Um, I've been vegan for like three years. Uh, the reason I'm very militant about it is because I think that um, the animals that are in uh, these horrible places... Uh, deserve consideration as well and I feel like I wasn't considering for them for many years just because of how I was brought up and I feel like most people for most people that's the same most people don't really want to do that they're just kind of brought up in a scenario where it just feels normal maybe they're told oh you need that for protein or whatever there's plenty of different reasons why it happens and why people get in these modes um, so I really care about it so I'm always super super over the top with it I'm always annoying with it because at the end of the day I care about it right um, mm -hmm. Same thing as any other um, social thing that I care about, right? Um, yesterday we were having a chat. Um, Nice said um, that they are vegetarian, right? Yeah. Would you like to take the floor? Tell me. Yeah. So I'm a vegetarian. Um, I've been like vegan kind of on and off, but I was telling Garner that I'm vegan accidentally <laughs> because it's never really been an intentional choice for me. And then I kind of followed by saying that like, if it was a moral choice for me, then I don't see how I could be a vegetarian. Like, if it was coming from a moral standpoint, then I would be a vegan. Because, like, then morally, it's about the exploitation of animals. <laughs> but me being a person who was raised vegetarian by my mom, so it was kind of like a non-consensual diet choice. Right. Um, I'm, like, now this far into my life where being vegetarian is just, like, part of my way of managing my health. Like, I can't introduce meat into my body right now. I also don't particularly want to. Right. I also think psychologically, I just, the idea of eating meat is, it's like, it's past the point where I could understand it. <laughs> like, my brain has already, like, developed yeah. in a way where it's like, we don't eat meat. Yeah. That the okay. idea of, like, trying to understand that psychologically wouldn't, like, it would take way, a different type of thought processing for that to be possible for me. So, but yeah, I just thought it was really funny that I 
I was like, I'm a vegetarian, but I'm not like a vegetarian for moral reasons because that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. I don't know. It just doesn't. It, it, that, <laughs> it just that, doesn't that's really, really my issue with, with the idea. Like um, at the end of the day, if someone tells me um, that they're a meat eater, for example, but they say that they just haven't made the moral connection, that makes sense. Mm -hmm because yeah. that's what that means it's like if you haven't made the moral connection then of course you haven't changed that makes complete sense yeah. like i also hadn't changed when i had made the moral connection the only way that someone's ever going to change is by making making that moral connection right so mm -hmm. if you make that moral connection and you know damn well that dairy does all these sorts of things how can you be a moral vegetarian that doesn't make any sense yeah because yeah. all those animals still go to slaughter most of the beef that is eaten even is dairy cow because they just get to do mm -hmm. that because it's such a huge industry they get loads of subsidies all these kinds of things so yeah it's just mm -hmm. in my opinion i feel like vegetarianism for moral reasons is extremely hypocritical and doesn't make any sense um so yeah because it's like a halfway it's like a halfway buying into the the moral like conundrum exactly but yeah, yeah that's why i don't know i like to i have to tell people that also though because i know that like uh, what was the term you used yesterday? Like uh, like pick me vegans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that um, some people will like hear that I'm a vegetarian and like assume a cer certain things about me. Like they'll assume that I'm a vegetarian either one because of a moral reason, which doesn't make sense. But also they will assume that my vegetarianism is like tied to me wanting to like to like diet culture specifically yeah or like oh you're just like they perceive they perceive it as being like a feminine choice which True. is very strange True. um and i just think like the amount of conversations that i've had about vegetarianism that are actually accurate to why i'm a vegetarian is very little so i'm like appreciative of like your perspective um because if it's not those two things then it's somebody being like why are you a vegetarian that's unhealthy kind of in the same way that vegans are told that they're not getting like yeah, as much as like, they need the, to like, be getting like protein is different in one thing just, or something yeah it, yeah i don't know true, but yeah um i just think health is really relative and health is a combination of like choices right yeah. and i think it's one thing to take a certain stance where you say that the choices that i make in relation to my health because they affect other living things right. i want to like minimize the harm that is done to those living things right. and i think like that's where the moral kind of choice comes in for me um and i'm not sure if like my inability to make that moral connection is a result of like because i don't really know what the the connection or like why that connection is difficult for me to make because it's like i can obviously like theorize it and conceptualize it yep. but i think there's a certain understanding of my relationship to my health where i I almost don't really prioritize like any any harm done outside of harm done to myself, right? right? And that's part of me having to figure out my eating habits in relation to mental health as well, right? Like we were briefly talking about like eating disorders and stuff and how right. like there might be a certain balance where you think something that you're eating is physically unhealthy, but the process of restricting yourself from eating can be mentally unhealthy, you know? So it's like the way that I think about, yeah, the way that I think about health has become very, very personal. And I think that's what makes it difficult for me to make certain moral connections in terms of like my involvement with a larger industry, you know, Do you, um, is because I'm like very, does that mean like, it's very self-centered the way that I, that I perceive my own health, so, which is like, I don't use self-centered in a necessarily negative context, but I, thought you, yeah. um, I recognize that it is kind of absent of of thinking about lives outside of my own. Right. 
Do you think that then that's like a temporary thing? Like you feel like just right now, that's how you're feeling. And then maybe later in life at a certain point, you'll make that connection then. Do you, th do you feel like that? Yes, but I think, th I think the connection for me will just always be motivated by personal reasons. Okay. Like I can't see it. Like I, because like I said, because the times that I've been vegan before have also kind of been motivated by personal discomfort, so, so more... you know, rather than like moral discomfort, if that makes sense. So it's you, like I can see myself being older and recognizing that I don't I just don't need to be consuming dairy like I just don't need to right right but that to me despite it being the same decision is a decision that's motivated from my idea of my own health and the way that my body regulates rather than motivated from the idea that it's like a, a moral obligation of me to care about lives outside of my own right right does that make sense? Yeah, I feel you. So, do you mean like, um, so, does it make you uncomfortable the idea that you are eating an animal? Uh, in, so, do you mean like, not like in a moral sense that like you feel bad for the animal, but just that it's gross that you're eating it kind of thing? Yeah, so it's like it's coming the from a place of like the way my body is. Right. And okay. the funny thing is I do. I like, which is why I think the relationship that I have with my consumption of dairy is very much based off of, it's like more my mental health than it is my physical health. Because I, I do feel just as physically bad when I consume dairy as I assume I would feel physically bad if I consumed meat, right. right? So it's like this physical feeling is the same. But that's why I was kind of talking about how it feels like a lot of my diet choices have to be motivated from a theoretical standpoint. Like I have to, I have to understand it in my head and make a conscious decision in my head rather than just taking cues from how my body feels. Because if I took cues from how my body feels, I would eat significantly less dairy than I do. I'd probably not eat dairy at all. Right. But but you've been there's you some... like kind of in a condition where you don't necessarily listen to your body. You listen, you're more yes. like overthinking it and that Yeah, kind of it's like a lot of my diet choices don't come from that right, that okay. understanding of what my body is needing. So that's why I think like when I get to the point where I'm able to make the decision to stop like consuming dairy it's going to be parallel with my ability to listen to my body right, rather okay. than so you feel a like, moral type of thing okay so you're kind of like acknowledging that there's a block that you have and saying when that block is lifted that's when that will be easy for you basically yeah it's like it's like as i engage with my body more about this topic it's like as i engage with my body more as i understand how my diet affects my physical health in a more practical way than I understand it now, it'll be an easier decision for me, you right. know? Because right now I don't have to really consider the way that my body feels as a result of that disconnect. So it's like, I don't know. And there are things that I do actively to try and like make myself more connected with my body. And when I am doing those things consistently are the times that I am vegan, right? Gotcha. <laughs> so it's like, it becomes a cycle of my mental health where the times where I am the most connected to my body are the times where I'm exercising the most. The times where I'm most connected to my body are the times where I'm eating the cleanest that I'm eating. And it's because I can't ignore certain signs that I'm feeling or certain like direction that I'm getting. Right. But during times where I feel very dissociative, during times where I'm like, you could punch me and it would take me 30 seconds for me to register that that happened. Right. Those are times where I'm like, I'm consuming way too much sugar in addition to dairy. And, and you know, it's like everything. It's all or nothing, you know? Right. So that's kind of what I mean by like my my ability to see myself as being a cleaner eater in the future 
is directly re related to my ability to just have better overall mental health, you know? Right. So basically it's like less, you don't think that the moral side of it for, for you is what would convince you because you know that your yeah. brain isn't necessarily wired up that way. Um, yeah. to like, to react that way. So, okay. Yeah. So then, so then you're, you're likely to be plant-based later on, basically is what you're saying. And then yeah. like vegan kind of by accident, which would be plant-based. Yeah. Right. Um, but th the thing is, that's absolutely fine. Is like, what I care about is just people having an honest conversation about it. And if they're not ready, they're not ready. Right. Uh, obviously I would say, well, you know, why are you not ready to some people? Cause in some cases mm -hmm. people are like, Oh, not ready. I just don't want to give up bacon or something. And there's just no <laughs> yeah. extra shit at all. There's no like real block there. They just, they just don't want to give up bacon. They just don't give a fuck really, you know? Yeah. And those people I'll definitely be like, Hey, you know, do you, do you give a shit or like, have you thought about this thing at all? And I will definitely push it. But um, yeah, I, I've definitely, I've, I respect your position there. I would suggest uh, doing it as quickly as possible because I love the fucking animals. So try your best. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you um, if you think there's any like cultural kind of understandings of like, because you were talking about how you, you understood veganism even before you understood veganism just based off of your like reaction to the like suffering of animals as a child. Right. I would say like how much of that do you attribute to being like inherent to who you are and how much of that do you attribute to like being cultural? Because I was I was going to bring this up specifically because what I find really confusing and sort of hypocritical about American culture specifically is the way in which American culture feigns like the idea that they love and care about animals, but then like obviously people don't really <laughs> care to the extent where they want to stop exploiting them you know Max, yep. whereas like culturally i don't like my parents are not from america and their idea of animals like despite the fact that it's not it's not coming from a place of care it's also more across the board you know like the way my mom feels about a dog is the same way she feels about a cow right. you know does that make sense <laughs> it's like culturally they don't have a certain like respect for like the the life of an animal per se but they're also not like feigning this idea that animal life is sacred while also exploiting right. animals for food it's exactly. like they just yeah. think animals are separate from humans yeah. and we don't really have to exactly. care about them at all right. like it's a very it's a, it's a hard line so i think part of the reason why it's difficult for me to see being plant-based as a moral decision mm -hmm. is because like those that understanding of like animals in relation to humans has never been one that is super tied to morality even in relation to animals that we we see as like being more deserving of love like that right. has always been strange to me right yeah so i think culturally I think I it's kind of that, you know, perspective mm -hmm. you know i was told just growing up in general they'd just be like you know um eat this that you have to have some meat some vegetables and some like carbs or something that was effectively mm -hmm. it right all the time and in my head, I'm thinking that's true. And then you, you the more things that are told as, as I grow up, the more things where I'm just like, I, I think, I don't think any kid is born wanting to eat meat. Um, yeah. I, I just don't think it's a thing um, because you have to do so many things to the meat for it to even be edible in the first place. Like, why would that be a, n a normal instinct except for putting it in the front of them when it, you've put spices on it and all these kinds of things? Maybe they'll eat it then. You know what I mean? Like, they might eat it. Mm -hmm. But do they, are they like, really craving to kill something when they come out? No. Mm -hmm. You give them a fucking apple. They'll eat some apple. Like, they'll eat some banana. They'll eat some, you know, plenty things. So I feel like when I was growing up, um, it was just you're taught to eat these things and you kind mm -hmm. of just assume at a certain point that you need them. 
because you're told yeah. forever that you do. So it, you just don't even question it. And I feel like it, that's all it was. It was just no one's really born that way. But because of the way that like originally, um, that you know, a certain ancestor of ours uh, had to had to eat meat because there was no you know um foragery around or anything like that because it was in the ice age or whatever it was like you know just because that happened back then and then like a little bit has been eaten up until this point and then because of the industrialization thing has just yeah. gone through the roof it doesn't mean that we have to keep doing it right it's, and i just kind of came to that realization like at a certain point and i kind of realized like everything i'd been told was just an assumption that my mum was told by her mum and her mum was told by her mum etc 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 and they got all of their inf information from a lot of propaganda all over the things that they yeah. saw so but i guess yeah. it's it's possible to come to that understanding though without without attaching it to a moral perspective though you know what i mean like yeah. it's possible to recognize that the lies that you've been told about how your body functions needing certain products right is not true right Absolutely. but like how does it like i guess i mean like do you think the part of it that is natural is the part of it that's moral. You know what I mean? For me, yeah. Uh, well, actually, I think, I think both are natural because I don't think we're supposed to consume them. Um, so therefore, I think in general, we, um, it, it isn't, it's better for our bodies when we don't consume those things. So I think mm -hmm. technically it's more, that is a natural thing too. Um, mm -hmm. But I do think it's also natural to care about animals because... I just you, you see that with with animals in general too. Like you can put plenty of different species of animals together um, when they're like young, for example, or or, or a mum, a cat, for example, with like a completely different animal, and they'll look after them a lot of the time. Like in mm. and it, and I feel like you you see that in general where like we're more wired up, in my opinion, to be to be nicer. But the problem is our society is wired up to make profit, which isn't mm -hmm. where that goes. So. And I think that that's really what, what for me has kind of clicked. Like the health thing is definitely something that's natural. Like I don't think we're supposed to be consuming those things. It's kind of like they're, yeah. they're kind of like they're not they're not the main point for me, but they're like, mm -hmm. like they're a bonus. Like the original thing for me was mm -hmm. the moral thing, and I was just like I can't do that anymore. I love I love mm -hmm. these creatures, and I and I really do. And because I've now know that I don't have to, because I know for yeah. a fact I looked it up. I can't do it anymore. It just was not something I could do. It wasn't like a... Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. I was going to say, because I think it's like backwards for me, right? Where it's like, I, I can fully understand that it's not something that I need to consume. And it's something that like, from a health perspective, I'm like, yeah, when I'm the most healthy, I'm not going to be consuming dairy. Like if I'm honest with myself, right. when I am healthy, the times when I haven't been consuming dairy have been the times when I'm the most healthy. So if I'm consuming dairy now, I'm not at my most... I don't feel as healthy as I've been in the past, right? right? So it's like I can very easily understand that, but it's it's the part of it that's just like the natural the natural association with understanding that I don't need to kill something mm -hmm. with an active care for its life. That's different to me, right? It is, right. So like knowing so that I don't need to kill something and I don't need to eat something because that's not how my body functions is right. not the same as saying that like Correct. I care that if someone else kills this thing, right? True, right. So you could hate someone and not care that they and, and still care that you don't want them to die, right? You don't yeah. want to be the person that kills them even though you hate them, right? It doesn't matter. Like yeah. you don't have to love something even. You don't even have to love animals really at all. Exactly. Um, but for me, 
even even I always loved animals. I always did. I've always been like I've always I was brought up with a, a staffy a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, a little staffy called Durga. Her name was lovely, mm-hmm. lovely, 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 lovely dog. Like just absolutely the best dog I've ever had in my whole life to this day. Just she looked after me. Like if my mum and dad were arguing, she would bark at them. Uh, like my dad and then if my mom was shouting at me or anyone was shouting at me she would look after me and she'd sit in front of me and bark at them and everything I've got a really good experience with animals right I love them all right mm-hmm. but um but even if I didn't yeah like it just if it's not needed I can't justify giving any form of suffering like to anything like yeah it's the same thing as like I, I don't want to uh, I don't I don't know if you even have it over there to be honest with you it's probably only an English uh, thing uh, Primark is a company over here that they have mm. like a it's a clothes store right and it's super cheap everything in there is cheap but it's common knowledge that they're a sweatshop brand like they use sweatshops yeah. really bad ones too like and everyone knows that and I don't understand how I don't I unless you're poor poor and the only place you can go is there in which case mm-hmm. fair enough to a degree it's like I understand you're you're going where there is means it's like more of a capitalism yeah. issue than you right but if you yeah. can afford it and you're just going there for a bargain but you know it's from a sweatshop I just can't understand mm-hmm. making that choice and it's just, it's the same kind of thing it's just yeah I can't consciously do something like that you know that's all it is Yeah I think it makes total sense and I would argue that I think like I make similar decisions with similar issues on a daily basis. I think the barrier for me is just like making it equivalent morally in my head. Mm -hmm. And that's part of being maybe indoctrinated to just not view animals as being the same as human. Cause I know that's another thing that you were talking about yesterday, how you were saying like, you know, animals have natural compassion like for each other. And you were including humans in that like conversation about animals, which makes sense to me. Right. But I just think, when I think about the ways in which that I've been indoctrinated into, into, I guess, like consuming in ways that I don't necessarily need to consume, it was never like from the perspective of health. Like I wasn't indoctrinated into thinking that I didn't, that I needed meat or I needed dairy. I was indoctrinated to thinking that you don't need these things, but you also don't have to care about animals to the extent that you have to care about humans. Right. Right. But it doesn't have to be an uh, an um the same level either. Like it like mm-hmm. to to be able to care about it, it doesn't have to be the same amount of care as I have for like my mum, for example. Right. Like mm-hmm. if if a horse is on the front and uh, there's someone gonna kill it or something, but then there's also someone to go kill my mum. Right. And I have to mm-hmm. choose between which one I have to go to. Like, do I have to run to my mum's right now or save yeah. the horse? I'm probably gonna go to my mum's because there's of course a bias to humans and people that are close to me. Of course. Exactly. Right? But at the same time it doesn't have to be the same level like you said before you don't even have to care about an animal to still feel like you don't need to do something to cause them suffering right so yeah i, I don't think there necessarily needs to be an equivalence made um mm-hmm. that does to kind of force someone to make that decision it like if you're yeah that's what i mean by i think the indoctrination came from that equivalence being made rather than like an in rather than an insistence that meat is a, a part of the health choice right like you, you know? it's like, <laughs> it's like from a almost you're 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 okay to do it kind of thing it's not like a negative thing and i feel like if you grow up um if you grow up eating meat if you grow up to or or whatever it is whatever one of these products is in, in fact do, do if you if you grow up doing anything that is exploitative but you don't get told that it is while growing mm-hmm. up um even if it's bad for your health you might know that but you but you don't know that it's necessarily exploitative you haven't really put that much thought into it necessarily um mm-hmm. i think that um 
I don't know. At the, at the end of the day, I think the thing that still clicked it for me is just seeing the suffering. And I think I just forced yeah. myself. After I had that argument that I had with my ex about it, um, uh, and then I just realized afterwards that I was full of shit and then Googled things and mm. whatever. Um, I started thinking, okay, how am I going to force myself to not ever go near it again? And I thought, yeah, right, yeah, the yeah. only way is if I see the bad shit. I've got to see the bad shit, right? So I forced myself to watch like um, Cowspiracy and like, um, just every single one that I could find, every every little yeah. thing. And it was very upsetting to watch all that. It's not a nice thing. I have those things still in my head a little bit here and there, you know? Yeah. But it's it's if it's a cause that I really say that I care about, if it's something that really genuinely is something I care about, then who yeah. the fuck am I to just ignore this, the actual suffering and, and just pretend and just like yeah. kind of like, well, I'm not contributing, so that's enough. That's so... Mm. That doesn't make like... It, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, if it's a cause like that, you should really, you if if you have the resources or the time or whatever, you should really actually fucking support the cause. And I feel like that's what that yeah. is, right? I think I totally understand what you're saying. I think the only thing that I thought of that I like kind of made me think about it in a different way, right? Is that like, if we're understanding that you know, there's a certain kind of natural impulse that comes with caring, right? for animals right but you also recognize that there's a bias towards humans right right and you and also like this is my understanding of just the way that capitalism works right capitalism a lot of the times feels like you are just buying into different modes of exploitation right <laughs> like that's that's most places that you're spending your money right for sure so i just think it's interesting that that i think people have a natural understanding for people who care about certain causes that are like distinctly affecting humans you know rather than causes that are like necessarily perpetuated by humans right okay if that makes sense um, it's like do you mean like you don't you it's it's like people don't seem to have like the same amount of care for that kind of that kind of issue or yeah it's just it makes me wonder like if we can differentiate that they're like however large the gap is between people's general bias towards caring about humans towards their bias for caring about animals like what exists within that gap right like if we're not caring about them to the same extent that means that there's some line that we stop at when we apply our our empathy right to animals versus when we apply our empathy to humans. I think the easiest way to see it is by saying like, if someone was gonna shoot a dog or if someone was gonna shoot this human being and you had to choose, then you would probably choose the dog to die. Like that's a really easy way to be able to, to, uh, you know to what? see it, that, it, that discrepancy. It might depend for me though. It might depend also. See, that's what I was gonna say, right? Like it might be easy to see that discrepancy in certain examples. If it's my right? dog. And a human you don't know, or you genuinely I'll, like... I'll feel bad. I will feel very bad about it, but I will consider the dog. I will. I'll... <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, how, like... But that that's just impulse, me. That was before right? being vegan, too. That impulse to be able to be like, well, if I had to, if it came down to it, there would clearly be a discrepancy, regardless of which way you tilt to, right? I think that's what makes it hard for me to, like, feel as militant about animal rights issues as i do about human rights issues is because i recognize wherever that discrepancy is the discrepancy exists right, right. so what obligation do i have to always prefer human 
health or human life to a certain extent, right? Right. And during, in what circumstances do I skew that to the bias of animals simply because they are being exclu- exploited by humans, right? Because if I see an animal killing another animal, I don't give a shit, right? Like, it literally doesn't matter to me. It's sad, but it's like, but it's a part of I don't animals. feel morally yeah. involved. You see what I'm saying? But, so it's like, to what extent is my my inability to make this moral connection because I belong to the group of people that is doing the exploiting, right? Right. Right, for sure. And, but and I, if I, I have a natural bias towards that group of people... But you can consciously the, think the about that, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. But so, I'm just saying, is that is the conscious thought enough to, to fill that gap? The gap that is the discrepancy between which you... For which me, you yeah. inherently kind of see as being, you know? I mean, which for, I think it is. It's there for, for me, some but some people. I, but I'm just saying, I that's the like, gap that I've struggled across. So I, I feel it like, seems like theoretically understanding that isn't enough. It obviously depends on the person, right? That some people care mm-hmm. more about certain things at the end of the day. Like some people don't give a fuck about animals. Some people do. And there's going to be a variance yeah. between those two things, right? It's not just a, a binary system, right? For sure. Um, so at the end of the day, different people are going to be convinced for different reasons. But for, yeah. for me, the reason I say uh, the, the vegan argument fits for me and for every... Well, firstly, I love animals full stop. But again, if even if I didn't, it's just... it's a To me, I just kind of... I'm, I'm in a mode where I feel like I just want... If I'm going to make a conscious decision and I have an easy decision that can't cause harm or cause way less harm, I am not in a position to choose the harmful one when I could easily choose the non-harmful one. Now, if it's absolutely ridiculous, the other option, like it's just like all my money per month and it was super expensive and I was so unhealthy and I had to have like injections every month or something like that, then okay, then at that point you're like, you're really weighing it up like, right, yeah, Yeah. I am causing a bit more suffering, but at the same time, like this isn't, I can't live like this, right? Like then it's fair enough. Or if you're an indigenous person and and you don't, you aren't in a place where you have access to supermarkets and all yeah. these different things and you have to hunt. Again, that's an exception to something like that. That The point is about it being as far as practicably possible, right? Um, yeah. I also have a lot of empathy for people that have um, eating disorders and things like that because I understand how those things can affect people and it's a lot more difficult for people, to, even though veganism isn't a diet necessarily, it's a part of it, right? It's mm-hmm. more of a whole moral philosophy of not contributing to that thing overall, um, like mm-hmm. the exploitation. Um the the diet side of it can be very difficult for people in general that I, I know of um with uh to especially the first switch because in general ha- um having a, a good diet or even trying to specifically pick a diet for someone um with an eating disorder is going to be very difficult so even yeah. doing that in general is very difficult so then having restrictions is another extra stress on top so i understand a lot of the time it's a lot slower for someone to make that transition i still do yeah. think that that will be kind of offset if people see the suffering because they'll see because mm. it will just it just resonates a bit more i feel mm. like if you not it's just uh you know <laughs> It's it's just in my head at this point. It's it's one of those yeah. things that like, and but the, but the same thing can be said about other causes too. It's just that animals is something that I feel like I can actually affect easily. It's something that I actually yeah, affect. That's what I was, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, it it requires like this is not to say that like like people are justified in not not like wanting to even think about 
this, mm-hmm. right? But I think there's something to be said about the fact that like you recognized that crossing that barrier and like closing that gap between your your humanization or your your empathy your empathy for animals was having to like almost like force yourself to to see something that like you might not have wanted to see yeah. right yeah exactly the same happens with a lot of like human rights issues for sure you know what i mean and i think it becomes a thing where it's like i think people just have a threshold for the amount of suffering that they Absolutely. like voluntarily That's do true. right That's true. so it's like if you're a person who is like really involved in like human rights issues i understand why you might not be super quick to like to just see go the suffering, all the suffering again. of yeah, animals sure. so that you can also now feel morally obligated to that as well right so, so it's like i recognize that viewing that suffering will create some sort of moral connection sure. as just the way that the brains work but i guess for me the obligation that a human being has to expose themselves to that suffering in order to make that moral connection mm-hmm. feels less justified than a human being's responsibility to open themselves up to that suffering in other humans Right. Like I would argue that that we should not turn our faces away from the suffering of other humans. Absolutely not. But why do I inherently feel like I think both are important and you can choose how I actually think both I I just think overall you should have a moral position where you don't want to cause suffering and you wanna generally Mm -hmm. cause um you you wanna reduce the amount of suffering that you cause, right? And I think that should just that should be if that moral philosophy is universal across you full stop, then I don't think um i think the the original change like i said is difficult for some people mm-hmm. i absolutely understand that but once you get over that hurdle it just it it doesn't become an extra like thing you have to really think about it's more of a mm-hmm. it's just a well everything i do doesn't cause these things i'm trying my best to yeah. just cause less harm and to be a positive influence on in everything that i'm that i'm choosing to pay for and all that really is is yeah. like every time you're about to put money into something you just go wait a minute actually do i want to put money into this that's it that's all it really mm-hmm. is um it's really as simple as that because like you said before um really unfortunately in capitalism the only thing that we really have is our purchasing power right so the only reason that these these companies would ever change any of these things is because we decided not to buy another product of theirs or we decided to buy another that's really it like there's there's really or you know the the only reason they're changing any of these these decisions is by these small little things being done by everyone else because that's really what they're molding everything by you know um so yeah, I don't know. It, it's one of those ones where it's like, I, I really care about it. I really care about um, overall things. Like I very much care about humans. I wouldn't say that I care about yeah. animals more than humans personally, but it depends on the animal. Because for example, my cat is my child. That is that <laughs> is my child. Like it, it's, mm-hmm. that's it. There's no, I don't care what anyone tells me. That's my kid, right? That's, that's my family. My rabbit, Colin, yeah. also my family that like i i really 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 care about them now technically i've got to weigh up okay what's their life expectancy what etc etc right so if they were on the 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 proverbial train track scenario where i had to pick you know (laughs) like a a little girl or something and then like my two pets it would be difficult i would i would have to choose my animals to die to be honest with you because in my head i'd be i'd be like you know like they have like a couple more years or something this little girl is a little girl she has all these years and different just her whole life yeah. you know like <laughs> i would have to choose that but god would it fuck me up you know like it would but that's i i think that's a great point right it just i don't know it 
it's funny because it it just makes me understand so much that a lot of the a lot of people's development of morals like is a comparison right Mm -hmm. where like they have to make like these these scenarios in their head in order for them to kind of understand how they feel about certain things which is why i just think that even when you're doing it in a way where you're kind of like voluntarily traumatizing yourself it's still the same process right where it's like i recognize that in order for me to understand morals in a specific way i have to expose my thought process to all of the aspects of this right yeah so i think when you live when you live in a place or where where you're indoctrinated into a certain culture where you don't have to be intentional about a lot of the decisions that you make then it removes a lot of the morality from a lot of the decisions that you're making because that's really all morality is right it's like like thinking about these things right it's like having the the thought process and seeing how those thoughts stepping back yeah and thinking about things before making decisions yeah really yeah exactly but i just i don't know it you you talking about that like you know your your animal feeling like it's part of your family it just made me think that like i think the development of my morality one being like very christian which Mm. like I think also gives you a certain idea of animals that people don't really talk about <laughs> very often because like the Christian Bible literally hierarchizes yeah, animals facts, yeah. like says that they right out. Them, yeah. <laughs> so it's Not like I I think <laughs> I think when that's like the basis of how you build your morality because that's considered a book that is about morals. Yep. And it's just talking about how to think about the relationships between all living things and how to feel about those relationships right bible then it's like yeah it's like me developing my morals outside of the bible it's like some of it is going to just be me thinking about things but i think some of it is also about my exposure to other things and like i never grew up with pets like animals to me have always been something that is very like if it wasn't already taught to me via the Bible that animals and humans are very separate, I would have developed that as a result of just never being around animals. Right. You know? So it makes me think about, like, one, how you can have your morals developed before you have the actual conversations or before you actually step back and do the thought process yourself. But I also think that a lot of the times your thought process can develop simply just by your environment separating you from those thoughts for sure. having to even have those you don't even have processes. to think about it yeah for sure so, and then it exactly. kind of like solidifies like, as you grow up i didn't have to think about how i felt about animals in relation to me or how i felt about animals suffering or animals even feelings in general because i didn't interact with animals yep. <laughs> until i was like 17 so i mean I, I didn't even change i was around animals my whole life and i didn't even change until a couple of years ago like three years yeah, so it's just it's you know you can avoid it you can really avoid it for a long time and yeah it's just like after the fact i've kind of thought about it and gone oh damn there was actually moments where i was very i did very vegan things and i didn't really think about it it was just very, yeah. you know things where i was disgusted by things that i was eating and stuff and i just didn't clock it i didn't think about it but like if i think about it now i'm like i wasn't really enjoying that i was really thinking this is yeah this is a dead body you know and and, yeah. and i ate anyway and then just didn't think about it after that like tried not to you know so yeah, it's, it's, i was gonna say that's the thing that psychologically always i feel like stopped me from like eating meat even when i was at that stage in my life where i recognized that i could make my own dietary choices um and i wasn't like too old where i thought i couldn't eat meat like there was a there's a portion of my life where it was like i'm 12 and i'm at my friend's birthday party and there's pepperoni pizza here i have every right to choose to eat this if i want to like my mom just because she raised me vegetarian doesn't mean i don't have like those choices right 
So I think about moments like that too, where I just, it was more of a conscious decision for me to be like, you know, that kind of disgusts me, even if I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> even if I can't like point to the exact thought process that I'm having that is developing this feeling towards this, it felt like I've definitely made similar decisions like that in my youth were that hinted to the idea that I probably would have been at least vegetarian, even if I hadn't yeah, yeah, yeah. been indoctrinated the way that I was. And that's still something I think about now. Like it's like a natural feeling that you had. The decomposing yeah. inside of yeah. my body yeah. scares me. <laughs> yeah, thinking about the fact that I was okay with that for so many years is ridiculous to me. Honestly, it's such a crazy thought. That, um, and also another thing that has changed is like, it, I said before is like the moral thing is obviously my main thing, right? Um, mm -hmm. But the, there are just bonuses is, is that like yeah. I'm healthier. Like whenever I eat, I don't feel bogged down afterwards. I feel like energized, which is what, if you think about it, that's what food is supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, that, but but I that's never what we were talking about, about that yesterday too, right? Like how if you grow up to understand food as not just being a yeah. physical process, then like, of course, you're not going to think that, oh, this food made me tired. That's abnormal. You're not going to think mm -hmm. that. <laughs> you're just going to be like, yeah, That's, I ate a lot of food. Exactly. Now my body's digesting and I'm tired. <laughs> so I would have like, like a Domino's and not think about it like with loads of cheese all over it and whatever. And I'd be like really mm -hmm. fatigued afterwards. And I wasn't thinking about why. I was thinking, well, yeah, of course, I ate a bunch. That's what it's supposed yeah. That's what you're supposed to like, feel uh, like. No supposed to do the opposite of that yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now i can eat a lot of the same thing but vegan and it just doesn't do the same thing at all like it just exactly. it, at all it's it's like a i feel much cleaner and, but that's what i mean by like when i feel connected to my body that's when it's like of course i'm, I'm yeah yeah, eating, yeah. Like, so you can relate to right? that because i'm not gonna say it's vegan because it's not morally yeah uh, I, get, I get you like motivated but like i eat plant-based when i'm the most connected to my body because it's like it becomes a very obvious relationship of like correlation causation you know it's like i put something in my body and now i feel like shit so it's like obviously i'm not gonna keep eating that thing if i don't if i feel bogged down by it but right. if i'm in a place in my life where i don't feel bogged down not because i'm not but because i just can't connect to that feeling at all then yeah. it becomes a different a different thing gotcha gotcha well i hope you do make that connection one day uh, that would make me very happy I'm and trying. please and if you do tell me I i'll be very happy about yes, it I definitely I'll, I'll, I'll make a congratulate and a congratulatory graphic for you and everything um, awesome i'll do some cool shit i'll like draw you or something i don't know um, <laughs> um who are your favorite producers Ooh, over, um, over the i've been really other than amada I like I said I really like Young Skirt. I've been listening to a lot of his beats lately. Um, mm -hmm. Who else do I really like? I really like Ag Cook because I'm a huge Charlie XCX fan. Right. So that kind of just comes with the territory. Um, Sophie. Sophie. Okay. Yeah, there's there's a lot. I don't know. I'm despite making primarily rap music, I do really like pop and electronic music producers just because, like I said, I just. I'm less inclined to be super excited by like a classic hip hop loop than I am to be super excited by just like the most ridiculous synthetic right. has absolutely no analog sound <laughs> digital beat, you know? Right. So I don't know. There's just, it's a different landscape for me. You can create things that don't have to necessarily feel real. And that opens it up Absolutely. to a bunch of different sounds. So yeah, a lot of my favorite producers are, are producers who make pop and electronic music. Um, speaking about influences before, actually, my friend Wixie has said it in the chat. Um, Nujibez is someone that I was definitely super, um, super into, and that was because I think yeah. I, I think I watched Samurai Champloo, and saw that the soundtrack mm -hmm. was made by him, 
and yeah, um, amazing. I was just like blown away by that too. And a lot of the production things kind of like that leads you in the direction of more hip hop related stuff, you know. And I feel like that's what kind of pushed me towards it. So I was like, it was a mixture of like Tyler the Creator and whatever, and then um, like some kind of fast rappy type of people, so like Hopson and whoever else, you know. Um, yeah. Still Eminem a little bit. But then I was just gradually going towards more like just unique people, you know, like trying to find mm -hmm. like people that were interesting rather than just, oh, they rap fast and they say like... Yeah, also Alchemist. I don't know why I didn't say Alchemist, but... Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. I kind of, you know, there are certain people it's that like, kind of just a given, given right? to everyone. Yeah, like yeah, there are certain Mad Libs. Libs. When you rap. Mad Libs. Yeah, when you rap, <laughs> yeah. it's like Jay Dilla. Like... Yeah, Mad Libs, Jay <laughs> Dilla, just, yeah. Alchemist. Um, yeah. Fucking uh, DJ Premier fucking yeah. pete rock i don't fucking know like there's a couple of people that are just kind of there you know like the also timbaland because when yeah. i was a child i think missy elliott's music was like one of the first times that i saw someone who looked like me and was doing music that i was like completely blown away by right because like we were talking about like odd future being kind of a later influence um in my like more high school era days mm -hmm. like i appreciated the way that the music felt like relatable to me and something that i could something that was pulling from the same influences that I was influenced by in that way. Um, I think Missy Elliott was like very specific because it was like a woman and it was like specifically rap music. And it was also like kind of Afrofuturism, <laughs> you know? So it had all of those like electronic influences that I still feel very kind of influenced by, but it was on a very specific person that I hadn't seen do that before. So Timbaland and Missy Elliott as a combo, but definitely Timbaland is one of my favorite producers. Missy Elliott is related to Akala, right? Do you like Akala? I actually didn't know that. That's news to me right now. I but think... yes, I do. Yeah, I think Akala and them, I think that's his sister, I think. Oh, shit. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, I'm pretty sure that's true. Uh, Akala's awesome. One also a really good yeah. example of someone that's a, basically a poet too, right? Like he did like yeah. the graphic novel thing that he did where he rapped through it and whatever. Incredible. Like just the artwork that he does, it mm -hmm. sounds like him too. Like it doesn't, it's it's his, you know, honest expression. And I, I really like that about him. I think he's really, 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 really oh, good. Oh, you know, like Mick Jenkins? Mick yeah, Jenkins yeah, yeah. is another person that I think of when I think of like people who started in the poetry world and then transitioned into rapping and it's like you can hear it in their music. He's good. He's yeah. good. He's good. Uh, there's a there's a track that he has on. I think he's on Colors, right? Um, yeah. Really, really good. I listen to that one all the time. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's a good example. Um, oh, also Monte Booker. Monte Booker. An amazing producer. I don't know if you listen to Smino's work, but Monte I do. Booker produces for a lot of Smino. I do. Smino's good. A phenomenal producer. Go. Also, just like his solo work, like he releases B tapes and stuff, like. If anybody's rapping and like needs stuff to rap over, please go just look up Monte Booker Beats on YouTube. All It'll right. challenge you in a good way. <laughs> dope, dope, dope. Well, um, thing is after this as well, I'm probably gonna go over the episode myself and I'm gonna try to like make some notes of particular bits and I'm gonna be asking you for some links if I can't find things that you've said, right? Okay, yeah. And then I'm gonna put them on the site. So I'm gonna literally say the thing one sec in the chat. So just that link that's in the chat right now, if anyone is in the chat. Um on there, I'm going to update that with notes about the episode as well. So, like, there's already videos on there you should already check out um, of Close Good and Knife. And a uh, little bit of information there as well. But I'm just going to add, like, little bits of information from, like, who we've spoken about, links to them and stuff like that as well. So, yeah. um, I should have sent you some of my poetry stuff, too. Absolutely. I think it might be an interesting 
yeah like foundation um i don't know if you've seen any of my poetry stuff but because it's pretty old it's like all kind of old but i'll see i think i've seen one i think i've seen one i think frack showed me actually i think Hmm. i think i might be wrong but i think he did i don't know but or maybe you shared one on twitter i don't know Mm. i don't know but yeah definitely send me some i can pop them on there for sure um where can you find nice music uh again the link that's in the chat click there there's links right there i'm going to put the um instagrams and twitters as well in there uh after this ends so uh you can check that um yeah so is there anything else you want to speak about is there any any important topics i know you, you're releasing music so you want to reiterate that uh, at all like roughly when it will be um... happening yeah, I mean, we don't have a release date yet, but I will say that it's definitely happening this year, and it's definitely happening happening sooner than later. <laughs> there's only like, there's only like what five or eight months left in the year. It's probably going to be in those first four. So, right, um, definitely keep a lookout. And yeah, we'll probably be doing some more stuff, like releasing some videos and doing some live shows and stuff as well. So. I can give you links for our show that's coming up on the, I think it's the 18th of May. Okay. Um, we're doing a show with Nomadic Press, which is an independent um, publishing house. They produce a lot of poets' work. Uh, they also just do like zines and live shows and stuff like that. So they're going to be having a, a Zoom show where they have poets performing and they have musicians performing. So Close Good will be doing a set for that. And that's like our most recent oh. or upcoming thing. So. Dope. Wonderful um well this has actually been a really good conversation i've very much enjoyed it yeah um it was great there's no rules to this podcast right now so i can have you back on again we can have another conversation if we decide there's some cool shit happening or some cool music or whatever if tyler the creator for example releases some new ass music and we want to have a conversation about that shit we can do that just do like a whole analysis video i'd be down (laughs) i'd love to do that i'd love to do that also i have an idea of um some things some conversations should really have more than just two people as well and there's definitely ways we can go about doing that too so i feel like that could be fun um so yeah um it's been really really nice again everyone um check out close good and knife on everything that you can um type in uh exclamation point guest in the chat and click that button and there will be more information in there as well uh keep checking back and there'll be loads of more stuff as well listen to that music it's dope i'm actually gonna end this and i'm but before i completely go from the stream i'm gonna play one more of uh close goods videos which is ang which is a criminally slept on video very very good video (laughs) and an awesome track Uh, it's been in my head all day so thank you again knife very 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 appreciated thank you for having me no problem um so i am going to immediately mute myself because i am an idiot and i will just start speaking in the middle of things